It's the Exit 52 podcast, the only Baltimore podcast that has a host that also blogs about golf for the sports website, BarstoolSports.com. It's Exit 52 presented by Jimmy Seafood. Make sure to go to Jimmy's for all your carryout, all your food truck, all your food shipping needs. We are back for another episode. Myself, Taylor Smythe, RDT, and Banks. Guys, coming off a great stretch for the Baltimore Ravens here. It's pretty simple win and the Ravens are into the playoffs they get to the dance they get the ability to avenge last season's early exit so I'm going to open with this question as the Ravens go into a game they should clearly win how does this go wrong Banks can this go wrong that's a terrible question what are you what are you doing to me here can this go wrong I I, I never had a They've can never this had a, game, a win and get in game against the Bengals that's gone wrong, right? Can this go wrong. Oh, okay. Don't do that. I mean, this can is it... not the energy. we. I, I was coming <laughs> into this podcast feeling real good, just kind of thinking like, hey, we're we're back. We're in control of our own destiny. You know, uh, the vibes are very high over here. And you're just you're just doing everything you can, it seems, to try to bring that down. And, I'm just uh, trying to I'm trying to make you uncomfortable. I'm trying to make you talk in the I'm in alive the here, man. I'm I'm wide awake. I mean, don't get that twisted. Playoffs, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. We've been in the playoffs for three, four weeks now. Don't forget that. Yes, we have. Yeah, so we've been playing the high-stakes game, and and now we're back in control of our own destiny, and uh, that's what it's all about, man. This is – I feel reborn, you know. We're we're back. We're back in control. Um, I'm back on my shit, to be honest. I don't know if you've seen me uh, on Twitter a little bit, but I've been getting a little chirpy. I've been getting a little little big for my britches maybe, but, uh, you know, Lamar's back. He's slinging the football around, looking great the last few weeks. Um, I'm throwing statistics out there. I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dunking on the haters when I can. Um, might even be throwing somebody on the list this week. So, like, this is what it's all about. We got ourselves back in position. We were kind of looking dicey there. I was I was starting to get nervous, believe it or not. Like, when, when John Gruden, like, just absolutely threw that game away on Saturday night, it started <laughs> to sweat a little bit, man. Like – are we ever going to get our chance to get back in control of this thing? Cause we knew we had confidence to win the last two games here, but um, you know, if the chips didn't fall the way that they needed to um, at some point along the road, you know, it wasn't going to matter, but we're back in control and I feel great about it. I feel great about it. Um, so fuck your question. Um, <laughs> nothing's going to go wrong. Uh, we're going to win this game. We're going to go to the postseason, And then we're going to, we're going to try our hand there. I agree with you. I, I don't think there's anything that can go wrong here. I think the Ravens are firmly on the right path. I think that the way they dominated the giants and pretty much had that thing under control in the first quarter, as we talked about on the instant analysis show, if you want to hear our expanded conversation on the game, make sure to go back and check that out if you haven't, but projecting that forward, the Ravens feel like a team. They're the classic. No one wants to play this team team right now with the way Lamar's coming into form defense, playing better, identity has kind of been established. And I feel like we had this entire conversation all year about whether the Ravens were kind of straddling identities, especially early on offensively. It feels like they are back to basics. It's an offensive line that loves run blocking. You know, I they even talked about it. DJ Fluker is just better as a run blocker. And they've, they've kind of just made their Everybody. team about what it was about last year. And I, I think this is another game where, they take that step forward, and now it just kind of becomes – it's going to be a lot of scoreboard watching on Sunday, which is kind of weird, I think, once the Ravens get in control of this game, which I, it could be famous last words, I guess. But in terms of who do the Ravens – who do you – I guess at this point, RDT, who would the Ravens want to see? I mean, if you're this Ravens team seeding-wise, 
And I know Banks are always has the scenarios right in front of him, but who would you want to see right now if you're the Ravens? Uh, if I'm the Ravens, I think the team that I'm chomping at the bit to, to get to is, is I think it's got to be the Steelers. I think they're the weakest of the, the teams that, that the Ravens can realistically play. Um, and again, I mean, I just, again, looking from the outside in, seeing everyone in Baltimore just be like, we should have had, we, they easily could have won the first game, easily could have won the second game giving them this third opportunity is it's like, it, it, it's like one of those movies where the guys walk in the plank and you can just see the sharks circling underneath in the water. Like they're ready to attack. Um, and I, I think they're the weakest. I think, I think everyone is kind of chomping at the bit to get to these Steelers. Um, I, I I'll say this. I certainly hope it's not the Titans that play in because I think that, I think that that's a game that goes the Ravens way um, this time around, but and. Even the Colts, I mean, the Ravens handled the Colts pretty handily in that second half. Um, they didn't play a complete game, but they didn't they didn't quite need it. But I, I think if you're the Ravens, I think you would definitely want to. Uh, plus, I mean, anytime the Ravens can knock the Steelers out of the playoffs in a year where they were 11 and 0 and they were talking, everyone knew they weren't the best team, but they kind of had to keep up that that end of the conversation because they were 11 and 0. I don't think anyone actually thought that they were the best team in the in the NFL. And again, over these last five or six weeks, it's kind of showed. So I, I think the Ravens. I think if it, if it was like a pick who you want to who you could play, I think they're picking the Steelers eleven times out of ten. I'm Thanks. pretty much pretty much right there with you. <laughs> I want those guys bad. I I don't know how many times I, I said before they had even lost their first game that those guys are just like. Not, not the best 11 and 0 team that, that has come around the block. I mean, they, they were ripe for the pick in and uh, even the, the Washington football team said after they, they knocked them off that the Ravens exposed some things. And that was a Ravens team that was incredibly shorthanded in that game in Pittsburgh. So um, just, and it really just the, the whining, the, the incessant whining we went through with that Thanksgiving COVID whole situation thing was so insufferable and, I'm dying for Lamar to get another, another crack at those guys. You know, he, he knows how the first game went when he, you know, the first drive of the game, throwing the pick six and another poor interception to start off the second half there in his own territory, like take those plays away. And, you know, he's still got the team within 20 yards. there winning that football game. He's, he, he's gotta be as hungry to beat them as anyone. And um, with the way they're playing, like they've got to be the team you want because, uh, you know, with the way that the season, the flow of the season ha has gone there at a certain point in time, like the goal for a lot of people, I think was changed to just make the, make the playoffs. And this season is at least, you know, salvage. And uh, I have higher expectations and higher hopes than that for sure. Um, but now I think that, it, that, that goalpost has been moved back to, well, let's try to get Lamar Jackson a playoff win. And so um that's what I'm like kind of have my sights set on right now. And I know that that's looking past the Bengals and that's a big no, no, something we shouldn't do. Um, but I feel that confident about how they're going to play this week. Um, and like, like you said, Taylor, maybe famous last words, but like right now I'm just like, I'm eager. I'm a little like have that good nervous energy about wildcard weekend already. Like I just want it so bad. I want it for Lamar just so like, I'm, I'm just sick of that being the one fallback ignorant argument from everyone that he hasn't won a playoff game because you know he lost one when he was the youngest quarterback in the history of football to ever start a playoff game uh with with a limited playbook after they just turned the offense over him with no practice in the middle of the season 
And then he lost the one to Tennessee when everything in the world possible could have gone wrong for the guy. So including drops. Um, I mean, he gained like 500 yards on his own between throwing and running in that game. I think like, you know, he made his mistakes in that game, but like just the, the amount of shit he catches for having taken that loss, like that's the territory that comes with being an NFL quarterback, but um, I'm ready for him to turn around that narrative. I'm just, I want it so bad. Yeah. I think the whole fan base is the, the looking at the playoff scenarios here, Raven Steelers is obviously super in play based on how things go. It will be interesting to see what Buffalo does. Um, if Buffalo plays, they're kind of locked in to the two seed, but not really. So they could theoretically play their starters. If Miami wins, if the Ravens win, and if the Browns win, Miami is the five seed. Baltimore is the six seed to play Pittsburgh, the three seed, and then Cleveland to play Buffalo. The Ravens could also shift spots and be the five seed and play your Tennessee Titans RDT. There's also a scenario in which the Titans lose and the Ravens could play the Colts as the five seed, which isn't a team I would hate playing either um, if I'm a Ravens fan. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, the Steelers would be a, 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 the classic sexy matchup in the first round. The, the, a Titans matchup would have all the storylines in the world. And then if you play the Colts, it's the entire Baltimore Colts playoff. I know that stuff doesn't come up as much, but it will come up more in a playoff game. So really, the Ravens are going to have a lot of ingrained storylines with whoever they play in these playoff games um, after they take care of business. And then you potentially get a shot at this Kansas city team in a couple of games after that. I think it's going to be a wild NFL playoffs in general too. Yeah. I think, I think it's, there's it's a more lot wide open than we ever could have imagined a few weeks ago. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. look at this NFC. I, I think we've, we talked about this a little bit offline too. Like you look at the NFC on the other side, which doesn't factor in, if, you know, if you're in a Baltimore podcast, but I, there's a lot of teams in the NFC that could make the Super Bowl: New Orleans, Seattle, Green Bay, Tampa Bay. I mean, even Arizona, you get Kyler Murray on a heater. I mean, who knows what you can do? I don't think any of those NFC East teams are doing anything, although the Dalt is looking kind of frisky right now down in Dallas. The Dalton. <laughs> do you want to call it that? <laughs> the, the old Dalt, the, the, the Dalton Cowboys. The, D, the double Ds at Dallas Dalton. You should ban that Dallas word this week, by the way. Yeah, it's not a bad point. But I think it's going to be a, a great NFL playoffs. Just a, 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 a fantastic – I mean, the, the, the AFC is just awesome. And that Bills team, let me tell you what, man. That Bills team is super impressive. They were so impressive on Monday night. My man, Stefan Diggs, is a, our guy. We'll, we'll call him our guy, Stefan yeah. Diggs. It's just tremendous. And you watch you watch DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona, and you watch Stefan Diggs in Buffalo. And we love EDC. Would have loved him to pull the trigger on one of those guys, potentially. But, man, I, I, I'm just excited. I'm excited for, for the Ravens to get through this game and for us to get to the, get to the playoffs, get to the dance here. No question. I was just, we waited all season. I mean, even at the beginning of the season, it was pretty much like, all right, you know, let's just play some good football for 16 weeks and uh, we'll take our crack at the playoffs when that time comes. We thought we'd be higher in the playoff picture. We probably thought we were going to win the division. Um, like, I, I won't say everything has gone wrong, but a lot has gone wrong to put us in the place that we're at and still good enough to be in the tournament should we take care of business and, uh, you know, We'll have our opportunity, it looks like. If you need to know anything about this Bengals team, if you're a if you're a fan that has not followed them, 
Looks like Brandon Allen is going to be the quarterback. They've played pretty well the last two weeks, beating the Steelers on Monday night in a shocker, and then beating a Texans team that seems to kind of just be disintegrating at this point. <laughs> um, some J.J. Watt post-game stuff. My guy, Deshaun Watson, running for his life. Um, Giovanni Bernard, who I think has been on everyone's fantasy team four <laughs> or five times. Um, and Samaje Pirine at this point are the two primary ball carriers. I don't know what the Joe Mixon status is. Is he out for the year? I guess I, he's out. They declared him out earlier this that's, year. Uh, that's week. bad for the uh, he, he got his extension and he kind of he kind of mailed it he in. Mailed this year, it in. Yeah, a little Albert yeah. Hainsworth there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins, their two best receivers, uh, both questionable uh, for this one. Boyd with a concussion and T Higgins with a hamstring injury. I've been very impressed by Higgins. I think he's going to be somebody that I agree um, that connection with Burrow, I think is going to be good moving forward if they can put the rest of the pieces around, but with no Burrow, they're a lot, they're just a lot less of a scary team. Although Brandon yeah. Allen's been, been, he can been chuck it. Um, and their defense is bad. Uh, yeah. Their, their defense, defense is bad. They, they are brutal at trying to stop the run. They've improved it a little bit last from, from last year, but they were one of the worst teams in NFL history at stopping the run last season. Um, watch the condensed game of the, the, what, week five, week six, whatever week we it was um, earlier here tonight. And uh, the Ravens, like, were a little bit sloppy um, as they were earlier in the season, and they still um, won the game 27-3 to in a game that they should have won by much more. Um, the, the, the few things that I guess – uh, the Bengals were able to do well were uh, they, they were able to get some arms up in Lamar's passing lanes. I noticed, um, I don't know if, you know, what the reasoning is behind that. They just maybe anticipate that well, or they don't really bother trying to get upfield and get after him too much. They just try to get their hands up and block his short passing lanes, which um, I don't know. It could be troublesome a bit for Lamar with sometimes the, the slots that he throws the, the ball from, but um that was the one thing that I saw look a little bit sloppy. They, they batted some passes up in the air. So um, I guess that's something to keep an eye out for, but like, man, these Bengals have not a lot of bite. They just don't have a lot that scares you. As you, as you said, they're giving up 130 yards a game on the ground, 4.8 yards a carry. I think Greg Roman is going to stare at that tape this week and they're going to run the ball down um, Cincinnati's throats. Banks, have you submitted any punting footage to Eric DaCosta at this point as you record at 1030 on Wednesday? No, I have not at this point. Um, I've been looking around for my ball pump. I've got a couple balls, but they're kind of deflated given the old uh, winter <laughs> thing. But um, I was looking to maybe grab one of you guys to kind of get down to Latrobe and, and boot some balls around maybe tomorrow and try to get sure. some, some film going. I, I, I need to get in touch with my high school coach to get some of my film um, perhaps you know, perhaps some things have changed in 12 years, but you never know. Um, but uh, yeah, Sam Cook is on the, uh, the COVID list, uh, the reserve list or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's unclear whether he's actually tested positive. I don't think that he has, but um, it looks like that there's just an inconclusive test and that's where they've put him in for the time being as is the protocol. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. There's not a lot of clarification in terms of why he's on the list, whether it's a close contact and conclusive test, whatever uh, it would be a 15 year consecutive game streak that would come. Yeah. That end, wouldn't be would right be, for it to go like this, which, which would, which we, as you said, would be tough to go. Um, they have no punter on the practice squad. So um, they would be, uh, they would be struggling. RDT. I believe you have the list. 
of every Raven to ever hit a punt in a game. Correct. And we're going to try to – how many is it? So actual people who have punted in a game, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players have ever worn a Ravens jersey and punted a football in a game. You want to try to go back and forth on this, Banks, and see if we can get these? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take – let's do a draft style. I mean, I – I mean, I have to take Cordell Stewart. I just have to take him. I, I know that that's just my favorite <laughs> one. Bonus points. How many punts did he have? He may have had four or five. He had five. <laughs> that's unbelievable. And he was five, not bad. 177 yards, a long of 42. Oh, by the way, another fun fact. Uh, Lamar is like maybe 80 yards away from passing Cordell Stewart on the all-time quarterback rushing list. Rushing? Yeah. That seems mm. Already. <laughs> uh, I'll take Sam Cook. The obvious number one, yes, yes. Kyle Richardson. Yeah, he was there uh, from – do you remember the years? He was the, the Super Bowl 35 punter. And, uh, by the way, the, the Super Bowl with the most punts of all time. It was like 21 um, punts. It's a lot of punts. I, I – this might be a bad recollection. I feel like Bowler has hit a punt in a game. Kyle Bowler has exactly one punt for 29 yards. Yep. There it is. We Thank have you. to find I, it with that, that. I remember <laughs> that pun exactly. I, I remember that exactly. I mean, pun. Was it Were against the Patriots, maybe? For that? Who was it against? I feel like it was against the Patriots. I don't know. I, he was going to be my next pick. We'll, we'll do, we'll do uh, some digging. I'm going to mix in a Jeff Blake guess. Nope. <sighs> uh, there, there's probably one. There's two that I would guess that you guys would not get. I'm going to guess I'm going to I'm going to guess at some point in his career Stover was an emergency punter. He had 3 punts for 100 yards. I'm absolutely rolling right now. <laughs> I'm trying to get the cute answers. I'm trying to have some fun with it. Um, well, there's one that, that Well, Kyle Fuller is about as fun as they come. That's, yeah, yeah that's the funniest one. <laughs> there's one that jumped out to me at it, to me immediately. And I knew I knew right away when I when I read that Cook had um corona. Uh lefty. Tested, it had the inconclusive test. Lefty punter. Dave Zastadil. Um, yes, that that was the, the literally. Oh, Dave Zastadil. Yeah. I don't know why I thought of Dave Zastadil, but the second this is I read, it's a great read, punter name. It's such a good like, punter. Oh, they've, had, they've had three punters in their career. I went Dave Zastadil. Yeah, I of forgot course. about Dave Zastadil. Like, wow, wow, Davey Z. Um, and again, so the the other three. Yeah, yeah. What positions are they? So we're so, not sitting here all day. And, and I'm just going to go ahead and say them. Aaron Elling. Oh, 2005 no had one punt. He yeah. um, he, was he was the. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, he was the. Uh, Wade Ritchie did the same thing. The uh, the he strictly did kickoffs because I was going to say Wade Ritchie was. Yeah, is Wade Ritchie on the list? Mm-hmm. He had yeah, he had five kickoffs that year. Um, he went one for one. No, he missed a field goal, fifty yarder. Um, <laughs> no, but did Wade Ritchie is, is, who, have a punt? Is Wade Ritchie on there? He did not punt. He did. He had two kickoffs. No, I'm sorry. It's 64 kickoffs. Yeah, he's but in his career. Specials. So, who are the other two on You'll the punter KLS. list? So, Greg Montgomery. No, I don't have that. <laughs> Nothing. He had 151 punts in 2000. In, uh, sorry, 96, 97. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why. Yeah. And then um, four years old. Uh, who did I say? Aaron. Oh, uh, Nick Murphy in 2004. Nick played Murphy? three games. That's what it says. 18 punts in three games. So. Yeah, I got nothing there either. Yeah. So, but again, I, I, it was a pretty, uh, 
It was a pretty he, – he, he played for the Chiefs, Ravens, and Eagles. I so, could have easily no seen Anthony Wright being on that list too. Yeah, I feel I like was, he had yeah. a – And then a lot I, of opportunities I, for Joe to have done it, but he, he had like a little – I guess. Nine and seven, missed the playoffs in 04. Can you guess the Ravens' top pick in the draft in 04? 2004. It is not a star name. Good names in this draft. He's not a first saying. round. Not a not a first round pick. No, not a first Sergio round. Sergio Kendall, which should help you. No, I was going to say I, that. That was that. It early. wasn't Sergio De- Kendall. Dewan Edwards. Oh yeah. Dewan Edwards, Devar Darling, Roger Green, Josh Harris, Clarence Moore, Derek Abney, and Brian Rumpf is your draft. Not I one of the Ravens. I think that's finest. the least amount of picks they've ever had in a draft. Yeah. Ravens coaching staff included uh, David Shaw, now the coach of Stanford, and Rex Ryan, and Mike Singletary, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and Mike Nolan. So, and Jim Fossil, and Jed Fish, who's mm. been jumping around to different colleges yeah, and offense right. coordinator. What a staff. What a staff. <laughs> what a staff. Adelius Thomas, Cornell Brown, Gary Baxter still on the team. That's talking Ravens punters. Shout out to Sam Cook. There's just the obvious natural transition from talking about Ravens punters is talking about Ravens social media. And that's what we did on our guest with our guest this week, Cassie Calvert, who's the social media coordinator, social media director, one of those titles. She runs the Ravens presence on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all those different platforms um, that we have talked about on this show because that is what my job involves as well for the University of Maryland. Cassie is awesome. The Ravens do a fantastic job on social and in their editorial staff as well with their website content and their video content. Really, really good stuff. Um, and we delved into it with Cassie. RDT was not the third person on this interview interviewing. We had Marty Suma, who you heard on our show last week, um, who is a former uh, social media director for Maryland with me. So we kind of had a social media yeah. roundtable. With pardon Banks. my takes correspondent as well. Yeah, pardon my take. Uh, final graphic. Cor- yeah, consultant uh, to Big Cat and PFT. <laughs> Marty Suma. So we jumped around with Cassie about a bunch of things, um, her role in the industry, her getting into it, the role of women, uh, which I thought was a really interesting answer that she gave. And, and that sort of camaraderie that um, all the the women that work in not only the social media part of the NFL, but just in general um, and a bunch of other things, including uh, some Duke talk because she went to Duke. So pro Maryland podcast here. We had to get into it. It is what it is. Let's get into our interview uh, with Cassie Calvert. Something magic happens. We're back here on the Exit 52 podcast with the social media coordinator for everyone's favorite football team in Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens, Cassie Calvert. Cassie, thanks so much for coming on with us. First, want to start social media coordinator, as me and Marty also know, can mean a lot of different things. So for Ravens fans who don't understand what you do, besides put out absolute fire on the accounts that they do, <laughs> what does your job entail to kind of set it up for people who are listening? Yeah, that's a good question. I get this one from family members a lot too. They're like, (laughs) even mean, like, I don't even know. Um, So like day to day, it just means that I'm the one that's generally running our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, TikTok now, Um, just the Ravens official social media presence on all platforms. Um, Like you said, it's kind of other duties as a sign though. I kind of do a little bit of everything. I'm also on camera for the team. Um, I host a show that runs on Instagram and Snapchat, Facebook Live, Q&As with players. I write like a social media focused story for the website as needed. So just a little bit of everything, just like based on what my background was, um, I've been able to use like different skill sets that I have with the Ravens. So it's, it's a fun job. Every day is very different. Um, 
but yeah, I like aim to be the conduit between our fans and like everything that's happening with the team internally. And then like, speaking of that background, how did you get here? How are you now the social media coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I get that one a lot too. Um, I, I only ask the common <laughs> questions, only the common questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in North Carolina. I went to Duke and I actually thought I was going to be pre-med. Um, so everyone always asks me what my major is and I'm like, trust me, it's not helpful to you. Um, I was an evolutionary anthropology major. So it's super wow. nice wow. what I'm doing now. Um, focused in anatomy, but um, I kind of always thought like growing up, my when I was in high school, my current job title didn't exist, you know, like it wasn't really a thing. And so I thought if I wanted to work in sports, I had to do sports medicine. Like that's just kind of what I thought. I always loved sports. And so that's kind of the route I went. And just through a bunch of internships in college, and I worked for our Duke student, like um, Coach Cutcliffe, the Duke football head coach, has a football show that airs on local TV and like Duke Athletics website every week. And I, long story short, became a feature reporter for that. And I really, really loved it. I got to tell like a story of the team each week, whether it was about the quarterbacks or um, a player's like special relationship with his mom or whatever it may be like week to week. And I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I liked the storytelling aspect of it and kind of, again, connecting fans to their team. And so when I graduated, I actually took a full-time internship with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. It's kind of unique down there because the ownership owns both teams. So if you work for one team, you work for both. And for me, right out of college, it was a really great opportunity to work in both the NBA and the NFL right out of college, get experience in both leagues in one year. So I kind of felt like I was getting two years of experience in one year. And then when my, I stayed there a little over a year and then when my time was up there, I took a full-time position up here at the Ravens. So um, people always ask, like, didn't grow up a Ravens fan? And to be honest, like when, when we're hiring, that's not really what we look for, but I've always been a football fan and I've loved my time up here. Um, Ravens are a first class organization, as I'm sure you guys know. So it's been great. I've been really happy with the decision. So were you, um, were you down in New Orleans for the, the human ping pong ball? I don't even know what that is. Mm -mm. For the, when it was for the, the Pelicans draft pick? Oh, no, no, that was, I was okay. there. Um, are, are, I missed out on all that was my college going there and everything. So. I brought it up. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't even know what you're talking about. What's the human <laughs> ping pong ball? He, um, it was when the Pelicans were obviously in the hunt for the first overall draft pick. Um, and before um, the event, he dressed up as a Pelicans ping pong ball and like ran all over the city of New Orleans and they put it all over social media <laughs> to promote with the team? them. Yeah, he's he works with them still. He's um the now he's the in stadium video coordinator for the for the Saints. Huh. I did not know I, that. I love that that in 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 your head, like in your social media coordinator <laughs> brain, like human ping pong ball was like an event that everybody knows about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can imagine that might be a Pelicans highlight. Yeah. Um, but Cassie, I think um a question that that uh we definitely want to touch on with you is, is just what has your experience been like just being a female in, in the sports industry, um, as well as in the, in the social media industry? Um, just any experiences you've had um, and where you're at now? Yeah, sure. It's definitely something I think about a lot. Um, like what we kind of mentioned, like when I was growing up, like there didn't seem to be like a ton of opportunities for women in sports, like as a female, sports fan. I always loved football, but like I didn't see women doing anything like football related. 
And I definitely think we're at a point where like that's changing. And I think that's really special, but it's, it's, it's interesting because I still experience things that my male coworkers don't, you know, like, especially working in social media, like you alluded to, like, I see the really, really good and I see the really, really bad. And like, I can post something that is just me talking about football that has nothing to do with me being a woman or my appearance or whatever, but like, I'm still going to get comments both positive and negative about what I look like, you know, and that's not something that my male coworkers really have to deal with. Um, and I think I've been more aware of that, like as I've gotten older too, I think part of it is not taking either too seriously. Um, I think not taking the positive, like not letting them go to your head and then not taking the negative to heart either. And I'm someone that I'm not really going to remember the positives as much as the negatives and they kind of stick with me. But I think like, I like recently like responded to someone that just, it really bugged me, you know, and usually I try to like let those things bounce off. But I think like one day I just like decided to make like a point and person ended up apologizing and I appreciate that, but that wasn't really like my intention. It's just like, it shouldn't be at the end of the day, like what I look like or my gender, if I'm, what I'm saying is true, you know, and like two of my male coworkers who report on the team, neither of them played collegiate football. It's like, how am I any different from them or even high school football, you know, like they were different athletes. And so I think at the end of the day, it's just, if I know my stuff, like I'd rather be graded on like what I know than like my gender. Um, but I will say that one thing that has been really, really special to me is that the women in the NFL have this like great sisterhood and like, it sounds cheesy, but I have really been able to rely on support from other people like me at other teams. Like a lot of us, like on camera, um, reporters from different teams around the NFL, we have a group chat and like they're there. I actually did a Bible study with them like during quarantine, like they've been a great resource for me as well as like the social media coordinators throughout the league. So I think that like the women of the NFL do kind of like look out for each other, which is really special. And you can kind of like vent, you know, about the things that we go through that like maybe men can't relate to and like vice versa. Um, but that's been really special to me. In general, how do you yeah, feel I think like you deal with both on the team account and your personal account, because this is like, you're in it so much. How do you compartmentalize all the things that are thrown your way on a daily basis? I know that's something me and Marty talk about every once in a while where you're just, and Marty just was, you know, talking about it on another podcast that isn't as popular as this one. But what, what do you feel like is your method for looking at not only the things you get on your personal account, but also, you know, good or bad, the Ravens account has to have some crazy mentions. What is that kind of process like for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of times it's easier to like disassociate with like the Ravens, you know, because it's like at the end of the day, like most of the stuff we're getting is based on like the, what happens on the field. And if someone's tweeting that they hated how we played that day, like at the end of the day, like it wasn't me on the field. So like, I really empathize with our players on that because like their job is so out there, you know, and like kind of like how it is in social media, like anything that we do is seen by millions of people right away. So you make like one mistake and people are going to be on you right away you know and it's like okay let me follow you around at your job and post everything <laughs> that you do that's wrong and see millions of people agree with it you know like see how you would like that but so like a lot of our guys like block people and I always thought that was crazy but then I sat and thought about it one day and I was like I wouldn't want to look at this stuff and know it's directed at me either so I think like now that like I've been here a little longer and like some people like associate me with the accounts, like sometimes that crosses over to my personal account and then it's like, dang, like this isn't as fun when it's like my name attached to it and you either like or dislike what we're doing. So I think it's the, like I said, kind of the good and the bad. Like if I want the like recognition, we do something 
great that people love that I also had to be willing to accept when like people don't like something that we do and like take that criticism and learn from it like whatever it may be yeah and I think a, a good um follow-up to that is and, and Taylor and I have both experienced it with with Marilyn um you you do end up feeling like a part of the team and the family and um take a lot of that feedback and re replies kind of to heart but what is it what has it been like um, for you to be associated with a Ravens team like the one right now who's on a pretty great path, a uh, pretty successful year. Um, and what has it been like when you've been a part of a team that is on a non-as-successful <laughs> uh, journey and you have to kind of keep up that content and keep up that positivity when it's not as easy? Yeah, that's a great point. My first year with the team was the year of the London game and when we almost signed Colin Kaepernick. And so, like, a couple of weeks into the season, I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? Like, <laughs> either, like, are pissed at us because we didn't sign him or are pissed at us because we thought about signing him. And then we go to London and, like, that doesn't go well. And so then they're mad because we embarrass them in another country. And I'm like, how am I going to do my job? Um, <laughs> and, like, make stuff people still want to look at. And I think that forces us to be really creative. And I think I learned a lot in that year. And then when Lamar takes over and we go 14-2, and two, like, all the things that we had kind of learned when we weren't as good, like you can kind of benefit from. And like last year, I think we got a lot of credit for like things that we did on social media. And I was kind of like, we've been doing this, just no one cared before because no one cared about the Ravens. You know, like we haven't really changed anything. Like, yes, we like go all in on the great personalities that we have. And I think that's something the Ravens have been really, really lucky with the last couple of years that maybe hasn't always been the case. You know, some of the bigger name big personality guys that like for what we do is awesome because they just make it so easy. So it's like, it's really just like knowing what to do with it, you know, versus like me doing anything that's like extra spectacular. So I think like having that perspective of those tougher seasons when like no one cares what we do, no matter how creative it is, it's like good perspective when everyone's like, oh, you guys are so great at your job. It's like, really? No, Mark Ingram is just really good personality. And I just put a camera in front of his face. Like it's not that difficult. <laughs> Yeah, so with that said, you've been with the team for a few years. Um, when you came in, I'm sure that the social media landscape, and, and both you, Marty, and Taylor can speak to this. Um, I'm kind of the layperson here. Um, how has kind of the, the landscape changed in terms of what the capabilities are? Or obviously TikTok is very new to the scene. Like, how has that evolved over the last, you know, three, four years? Yeah, my boss and I were actually talking about this recently because when I started, like Instagram stories weren't really a thing. We didn't really have a presence on YouTube. TikTok wasn't a thing. I think we still had Vine at the time. Um, but yeah, yeah I, think, I mean, go ahead. sorry to cut you off. Like I, I look for clips of past games all the time on Twitter to try to help our podcast account or my own account to try to share some video content or just do some like on this day a few years ago, this, that, the other. And they're not video clips on Twitter of games before maybe 2017, 2018. Uh, sometimes you just get one game photo from a game in 2015. It's crazy <laughs> to me how much it's changed. And the videos that are there within 30 seconds of a play happening now are like they are flying all game. Whereas years ago, you would get no videos. Like right. it's crazy to me. Sorry, but continue. <laughs> 
Yeah, like that's something too the NFL has changed. So like we kind of operate within like their rules as far as like social media goes. So like how many highlights we're allowed to post on each platform and all of that kind of evolves as the platforms evolve. But yeah, like to your point, like the social media landscape looks super different five years ago. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the like genre is that like it always is changing, you know, so you can't get bored, which is what I like. Like you always have to keep evolving and like keep being creative, but like we've built up a YouTube presence, you know, like we've done a really good job um, along with our marketing team to create kind of like a unified look across the platforms, just something like we're really proud of. I think before like you would see like we have great team photographers and you would see their photos, but like that was kind of it. We didn't really have a ton of like graphics. And so I think like making those uniform across the board alongside with like the billboards that our marketing team is putting out. Like I know Maryland does a great job of that too. Like you kind of have like, if you see something, you're going to know like that it's Maryland or that it's the Ravens or whatever. And I think that's really important, like building brand in that way, especially on social, just like if someone opens Instagram and sees a Ravens post at the top of their feed, like I want them to know that it's the Ravens without looking at like and seeing our name, like on the profile or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think like having that unified feel across all the platforms, even though the audiences and the voice on each are going to be different, I think is important too. What do you feel like you guys have done? I, one of the things I've, I've admired from, a, a, you know, I guess close that you guys have done a really good job of is kind of built your kind of editorial staff out. So not only are you do, as you said, doing social media, but you're on camera, you guys have a really good, you know, written um, section of your website. It kind of all comes together. What's the sort of the strategy behind that? Cause I think Ravens fans probably don't understand the amount of work you guys are putting into that, but they're enjoying <laughs> at different parts of their day, every single little one of those things, whether they're seeing your Snapchat show or they're, you know, reading, you know, the things on the website or things like that. So what kind of strategy goes into how you guys play that out? Yeah, that's a great point. I think a lot of credit for that goes to the VP of our digital media and broadcasting, Michelle Andres. She kind of oversees like all of that. Um, and basically like her philosophy is that we should be like the source of Ravens news for the team like 24 seven. So she wants, and we want, I guess, like people to come to us for the things that they want to know about the team. You know, like we should be the best outlet because we're in the building, you know, it's so, like we should be the best outlet for covering the team that exists and like we should theoretically like have the best access and all those kinds of things. And so I think she's kind of built us as like a news organization that works within the team. Um, and so obviously like we have to focus on things that are important internally, like business wise, but also football wise. And so making sure that we balance all of those things without feeling like a billboard or, you know, like a sponsorship like row. Um, so I think balancing all those things is really important. And she does a great job of kind of facilitating that. But yeah, I think she's done a really good job of hiring talented people. Like obviously our Ravens production side also falls under her and they've won a ton of Emmys. And so I think it's just, she hires great people that are talented. And I would honestly just like attribute all that to her that I think she puts people in places to succeed and she fights for the things that like we want as a staff, which is really special. Yeah, I think um, it is a, when you work for the team, it's, it's a delicate balance of, of being informative, but also being fun at the same time. Like you don't want to come across as um, basically like an RSS feed for just news headlines and updates. Like you want to make it engaging and fun. Um, and I think that's the appeal of the job, but was there a moment in your career, hopefully with the Ravens, but any time in your career where you like had a moment where you just looked kind of down at your phone or at your laptop and were like, 
wow, this is my job. Like I get to do this for a living. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. Um, I think <laughs> just kind of keeping that mindset too, like helps you like create better content, you know, because like when you kind of pinch yourself and you're like, okay, like every Ravens fan would kill to be where I am right now. I think the two that really stick out for me are both kind of the same, but we got to be with both Ray and Ed when they found out they were going into the Hall of Fame, like in the hotel room with them when president of the Hall of Fame knocked on the door. And there's like three other people in the room. It's like me, a camera guy, and then like Ray Lewis and his mom and his brother and like one other person. And I was like, there's five people in this room and like, I'm one of them, you know, which is like, this like once in a lifetime moment, he's a hall of famer, like same with Ed, it was very similar. Like, and I was just kind of like, wow, like no one, and like the special thing is that because we were there, like millions of people get to share this moment with him. Like obviously millions of people are not fitting in that room, but like we got to share it with their fans. And I was just kind of like, dang, like this is really cool. Like this is one of those moments that like, if we weren't here, no one would ever see this. Um, and I think like stuff like that makes the job really special. Yeah, it's an awesome story. That is very, very true. My, mine is every time I walk from my office into a Maryland basketball game, I kind of pinch myself every single time. It's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing thing. Uh, Cassie, what's the weirdest place you ever sent a tweet from that you needed to do on your team account? I feel like everyone has it where they were in a bad spot. I'm sending ones with banks on the golf course, but what is yours? I have done one from a golf cart. I actually made one year, like the final roster cuts graphic from the back of a golf cart. It was, <laughs> I had just started dating my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to do it. And we had like been paired with this, like these two older men. And they're like, what is she doing? Like I'm sitting on my golf, like the, on my laptop. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I think she's done. Cause we were on like 17 at that point. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, don't break up with me. Um, I think I've sent one in the shower before on the side of the highway for sure. Oh yeah. Like, sorry, I had to pull over like super illegal. Um, hopefully no one's watching this that cares. Um, yeah, those are probably off the top of my head, the top three in a movie theater for, for sure. Um, yeah, I used to be like, when we could go to movies, I would have to text my boss and be like, I'm not gonna be on my phone for an hour. Can you like, if anything yep. comes in, especially in the off season, like free agency, it's disaster. Marty, you got oh, yeah, just like, I was going to say, uh, pickles pubs, a hot one for, for <laughs> you and I, um, we tweeted a, a big Texas win from there. Uh, the side of the road is really common. You just have like a, uh, mm -hmm like a mobile hotspot on you at all time and just yep. pull the laptop out. Yeah. Um, we only airports. have a few, sorry. We only have a few like hotspots in our department. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm keeping one at all times. Like you just never. Yeah. No one needs one more than the social person. Exactly. Yeah. I have also brought my laptop to multiple golf courses, but I normally left it in the car and was just planning to drive back to the car in the cart. If it ever had to happen. <laughs> mine, mine is I, I tweet when we won the women's lacrosse national championship. I tweeted from our main account as a boat was leaving to go out to the bay during Memorial Day weekend. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> tunes are blaring. And I'm just like, women's lacrosse won the national title. <laughs> Boom. And just, just let it fly. Uh, Cause you, those it, are risky. Very risky. Very risky. You're yeah. like reading it, like super focused. <laughs> oh, make sure so, there are yeah. no spelling errors. So I like, tur I turned everyone and I was like, I just need everyone to be quiet for 35 seconds. I just need to read this over. I just need to read this over as we're heading out. So yeah, that is a that is always a uh, a treacherous one. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's unbelievable. I've seen Taylor firsthand like pretty much any time I ever hang out with him, he goes into this like 
90 seconds worth where his complete focus is nothing <laughs> in the room whatsoever except for his phone. You could say anything to him, anything at all, and he would never hear it, ever. Mm -hmm. He has no idea the things we've said about him right to his face. Tough, it's a tough scene. It's a tough, sorry, Stefan Diggs has scored a touchdown. We got to get something out. We got to get something. Out. <laughs> we got to get something out about it. Um, Cassie, wh what have your, been your favorite things about moving to Baltimore and being a part of sort of the culture of the organization? Because you're not from here. Uh, Marty also is someone that came to Maryland and started working in Maryland and ingratiated themselves into Baltimore. What's been your favorite part of this place and working here? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like it's the Ravens and the Orioles are like Maryland is so special here. And I think that's really unique. Like it's just such a sports town. And I feel like it's cool to be a part of that. Like the Ravens fans love their Ravens so much and like are so diehard that I think it's really, it makes it really fun, you know? And I, I always said I would never live further north than North Carolina because I hate the winter. So my least favorite part has been the weather, but Never say never. That's the lesson there. But yeah, I think it's just a really special community up here. I've loved being a part of the organization. I think it's, people always talk about that it's a family and that's really true. Um, I think it's made it a lot easier for me because like I moved up here and didn't know anyone, you know, and I think that having that like community within the organization has really helped me just like being a normal person and moving up here and like having to make friends and all of that, you know, like having that built in community has really helped me just like made the transition so much smoother. Yeah, we're doing um, uh, initiative on our podcast where we're doing the Be, Be There for Be More campaign where we're encouraging people to support local restaurants. And um, we've been asking a lot of our guests, what is your favorite go-to restaurant in the city? Ooh, Nacho Mama's. Mm, Love nachos. That's like my thing. And the crab dip nachos are on point. And the hubcaps. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> God, crab chip nachos sounds sensational. Mm. That's, that's, that has been my, that's also been my favorite part about moving to Baltimore is that there's crab dip everywhere you go. And that's not a thing other places. And that's, it's just, it should be everywhere else too. But that's awesome. Um, since yeah, you just like assume that it's going to be on every menu and it's not. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is really true. And it's kind of shocking when it's not. <laughs> what has what has been your reaction since moving here? And I'm sure it's gotten you've gotten more used to it of when you people ask you where you went to college and you say Duke, everyone reacting really poorly. Did that take like a year to get used to or see, I went I grew up in North Carolina. So everyone I went to high school with went to Carolina. So uh, okay. honestly, worse, like being at home, like my freshman year of college, like a Duke loss at any sport to Carolina like all my high school friends would be blowing me up I'm like I don't care about like field hockey or whatever <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> um so when we won the national championship I was like you know what I'm gonna be a bigger person I'm not gonna text anyone but yeah I I'm pretty used to it I mean Duke is one of those like universally hated so like really wherever you go but yeah it's generally like the oh I'm sorry when like someone someone asked where you went to college so yeah I'm used to it did you grow up a fan or did you, that just the college you decided to go to? Yeah, it was just a college I decided to go to. My mom went to Wake Forest. My dad's from Florida. So like neither one of them was really like super involved in the rivalry. And I just like ended up picking Duke. Part of the reason I picked it was because the basketball team, like I wanted a good school that also had good sports. And I like loved that like environment, you know? Um, so the basketball team to play a factor, but it wasn't like because I had grown up a fan. And then like once I decided I was going there, I was all in and... Yeah, the Plumleys, the Reddicks, those are my those are my people. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say growing up um, and going to, to Duke probably grooms you pretty well to deal with haters and not respond <laughs> and <kind of> internalize it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Not take it too personally. <laughs> um, um, has there been anyone? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just going to ask a dumb I was going to say, has there been anyone <laughs> along your time? Like, I know that, that a lot of times working in, in the sports industry, you kind of have to keep your composure a lot of times if there is someone that you come across like a Ray Lewis um, that you may get a little excited about. Has there been anyone where you felt like completely starstruck by um, while you're working? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think like, especially like working in for the Pelicans, like when you're so close to players, you know, and like these huge dudes playing basketball, like that was definitely a thing for me. I think like Giannis was one that I like, he, I was standing in the hallway, like filming player arrivals and he walked by and I was like, this dude is a freak. Like <laughs> the first person that I was like, if I saw him on the street, I would be like, that dude is an athlete. Cause like, he was just like, he's like this specimen, you know? And I think like seeing him like up close and like his muscles have muscles. Like I was like, wow, like this dude is, it was like his rookie year I think and I was like this dude is like gonna be something it's like seeing him up close is really cool and like probably LeBron like I feel like that's a easy one but then like I think JJ Redick was with the Clippers at the time when I was with the Pelicans and when they came to New Orleans I was like this is really cool like I'm five feet away from JJ Redick like I love him and I at the time I was listening to his podcast all the time so I was like nerding out over him for sure didn't say anything you know tried tried to play it cool but yeah, those are a couple for me. Taylor, do you have one? Yeah, I mean, when I was – so I, I grew up a Maryland fan, and I love Juan Dixon. Um, and seeing him for the first time as an intern was probably like your J.J. Redick moment. I couldn't believe <laughs> I was that close to him. And I was, like, sitting there for the entire first half. He was sitting right in front of me in a courtside seat and with the media section behind. And I was like, I have to say something to him. I might never get this close to him again. I had no clue <laughs> what I was going to do for a living. And I went up to him at halftime. I said – I said, Juan, my name's Taylor. I've looked up to you for my entire life. This is like really cool to like meet you. And he like had no idea what to say. And I was like, this is the most awkward conversation of my life. I, 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 I was like, and it had been anybody else, I would have not gone up to him. But I was like, this guy's my hero. Like I have to take this chance. And then like three years later, he was on our staff and I was working at Maryland and he, I was in a Testudo suit and he was telling me to do different dances. So it really came off full circle. <laughs> For full circle. Yeah. yeah. So he awesome. was like commanding me to dance. So that was a, a good full circle moment for me. Marty. When I was in college, actually, like I was just like pre like my career and I was, I hadn't like a mentor in the athletic department and I was meeting with him one day and I was leaving his office and his office was like actually right next to coach case. Cause he was like kind of his PR liaison. And I get on, I'm getting on the elevator. He walks me to the elevator. Cause like to get in their building, you have to like scan in and out. Cause obviously if like coach K is in there, it's like high security. And um, coach K is like walking to the elevator as like this guy, Mike is walking me to the elevator. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. So I like, I get on the elevator and he starts talking to Mike and I'm like, okay, like, should I say something? Like I'm awkwardly standing there in the elevator and the doors are still open and they're like on <laughs> conversation. So Coach K like gets on the elevator and is still talking to the other guy like as the doors are closing. And so then the doors close and it's just me and Coach K in this elevator. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, do I say something? I'm like, think of something cool. Like think of something cool. And I don't even like say anything. And he's like, crazy weather we're having, huh? Cause it had like been raining 
good straight weeks and like storming so bad and it was like randomly sunny and I was like yeah I thought we were never gonna see the sun again and he's like yep have a great day and then gets off the elevator and I'm like oh my god you idiot you just talked about the weather with <laughs> I'm changing mine. That's probably the one that for me. That's a good one. I, yeah. At the beginning, like when you don't think you're going to like be working in sports, it's much different than when you right. get used to it. Like when you're a student, it's just so much different. Like I remember Tori Smith would be at our games and our students yeah. would lose their mind. Like they would like <laughs> want to go walk up and we're like, guys, you can't bother them. You can't. And they're just like, get so excited. Marty, what is yours? <laughs> I think when Barack came to our game, mm, um, yeah. sitting on the scores table and just having him walk by with his entire family was just like, this is something that may never happen to me uh -huh. ever again is to, to see the president in person. I thought that one was pretty cool. And then, um, I mean, just seeing Ray Allen when I was back at UConn was, was pretty cool. Having the Secret Service like demand us to go in different places was a wild experience. That was, I will yep. never forget, like a Secret Service guy being like, no, you're not going that way. And I was like, okay. I was like, you don't have to put the hand on the gun. I, I, I am not going anywhere near this Yeah, guy. he was like, don't make any sudden movements towards the president. I was like, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing anything. Uh, what about you, Banks, in your, in your traverses through Baltimore bars? Through Baltimore bars? Yeah. Uh, geez. Um, I mean, who am I going to run into Baltimore bars? I mean, CJ Mosley. You have a photo with Ogden. You have a photo with CJ Mosley. I got a photo with Ogden. I mean, CJ Mosley frequented. Uh, I knew you were going to say CJ. <laughs> that's where I was trying to get you. I figured you were trying to feed me that. I have a Juan Dixon story myself, actually. Um, a lot of people I don't think know that he didn't graduate from Maryland in, in 02 when he, when he moved on to the NBA. He graduated in 2013, which is when I graduated. So graduation ended and we're all at the M circle and everyone's in their, their grad, you know, grad caps and gowns and all that. And everybody's posing for pictures at the M circle and a line had, had formed and, you know, Juan Dixon's, you know, tall, but he's not like super tall. He's what six two. So he's like probably my height. So nobody really noticed who the heck is standing in this line to get his picture taken in front of the M person right in front of me or, or behind me rather is uh, Juan Dixon. And so I get my picture taken um no I realize this I go up and I'm like hey man like you want to just jump in here like I'd <laughs> like do I want a photo by myself by the M circle or I'd rather have one with Juan Dixon I'm going to take the one with Juan Dixon every day of the week so um just a kind of a cool photo that I got on graduation day which was actually my first day blogging for Barcelona Sports believe it or not so wow what a day for you yeah what a day indeed and I was sick too I had the flu <laughs> That's a memorable one. That's highs and lows. One. Yeah, highs and lows. Highs um, and lows for sure. Cassie, where do you get your your inspiration from when you do this job? Because I think that's something that like like these ideas are flowing from somewhere, and that's something people always ask me like, where are you getting this stuff from? And I'm like, I you know different things. Where do you get inspiration from? Yeah, it's a good one. I think like being on the platforms all the time really helps. Um, we look, definitely look at like what Bleacher Report does. I think like this off season, we kind of modeled a lot of what we did off based on them, like especially at a time when like we didn't really have stuff going on, their kind of model of like grouping things together from like memorable like moments in like different ways, I think is really powerful. Like using carousels of like funny moments of like a certain player or like something like that is something we've kind of picked up from them. I think just like being in tune with the platforms themselves and like seeing what other people are doing just kind of sparks stuff for us. And then like, I keep like a, this is super nerdy, but I keep like a word document of like captions that I like 
think of that I like or like if I'm listening to a song and I think like something will work for like our team like I'll like write it down in there and so like during a game a lot of times I'll like scroll through and see if there's anything that like fits or like I'll kind of like remember because I've written it down um and then I think just like the players like trying to keep this year it's kind of tougher especially like not being in the building but like kind of trying to keep like a pulse on like the things that they like and like care about and like the way that like they talk about the team because I always want like the accounts to be something that like reflects them because like at the end of the day like that's what it's about and I want it to be something that they're not like embarrassed by you know like so I want them to feel like the accounts represent them well um so yeah I think like I rely on them a lot just like listening and like looking at things that like they do um and like learning from that that is not nerdy at all I do the exact same thing so <laughs> it's yeah, all Taylor Swift say, uh, lyrics though it's all Taylor Swift lyrics. like 35 <laughs> Taylor Swift lyrics and then like I don't know calm before the storm and then that's it um I was gonna say I think that there's like it's hard to describe the feeling of when a tweet you think is gonna go well goes really well um and there's no better feeling than when like the players respond well to it the fans respond well to it um but as Taylor and I know not every post goes well so just kind of take us through like how you react and develop moving forward to maybe something that you plan out and think of but it, it's not as a, a big of success as you you planned. Yeah, I think that is really important. I think too, like learning what resonates on different platforms. Like I use a lot of like song lyrics, like on Instagram, especially like rap, hip hop, like that kind of stuff. And like, there was like this one that always sticks out to me. It was like a group shot video, quick like video shot from the broadcast, of like guys like celebrating into the camera kind of thing. And I think I used the caption, like show up and show out like on Instagram. And it was like very well received, like people love the video, whatever, like post the same thing the next day on Twitter and like a local media like writer writes it up as like Ravens are begging fans to attend games. (laughs) And I was like, it's like an expression, like show up and show out. Like it doesn't mean like, please come to our games. (laughs) Like we were coming off this like huge win. Like it was at LA, I think it was the Chargers, like that run really, really big game when they were playing in the soccer stadium. I was like, this is not what I was saying at all. So I think it's like not even just a post that's like performs well, but like knowing what's going to perform on like each platform. So I have to think Mm -hmm. of Twitter as like, when we post this, is someone going to write a story about it? You know, whereas like the same thing could be on Instagram for like three weeks and no one would like care anything about it. So I think just like knowing that too has been the biggest thing for me. Yeah. That was such a dicey period there at the end of 2018 when uh, Lamar had taken over and, and people weren't really sure whether to buy into it. And then um, people throwing unfounded rumors out that John Harbaugh wasn't going to be sticking around after the season and stuff. So I can imagine what kind of landscape people were trying to grab something and say. Right. Yeah. And like, there, <laughs> like, you know, like across the league, attendance was down. So it's just like a weird year, like all around. So yeah. A little- yeah. Yeah, as you're tweeting from a game where the Chargers are playing in a soccer stadium with 90% <laughs> Ravens fans. <laughs> yeah, that game was sick, though. Uh, one final, I guess two final questions. Your favorite platform to use? Mm. And do you have, and this is, a, people ask me this and I can never think of it, so I'm trying to think of it now because I'm sure I'll now have to answer. What's your favorite thing you've ever posted you're most proud of? Ooh. My favorite platform is Instagram. I just think it's the most fun. It's the one that I'm on the most, like, personally. Um, I, like, I just feel like I can have the most creativity there, again, without it, like, being a problem on, like, the Ravens as well. 
Um, I just like it's like more my vibe than any of the other ones. And favorite thing I've posted. I think this is like not really something that had anything to do with me, but like I just got to post it was like this summer, the video that Steve Bashotti and the players did about like all the social injustice things that were going on. Like our broadcasting completely handled that. And that really came about from the players themselves, like writing what they wanted to stay and Steve, like, you know, going on the record about like how he felt, which like no owner has really done. Um, but like, I just got to hit send, you know, it was really like, here's the final product. And like, I got to post it. And like, I just had like chills posting that. Cause I was like, this is something that like, is so much bigger than sports. And like, was, it was just so, I was really proud to like work for the organization that day. I think like a lot of teams put out statements and a lot of teams donated money, but this was something that I felt like we really took a stand about like specific details, like what we wanted to change, like our white wealthy male owner went on the record saying that like he is with his players like a hundred percent and like I just thought it was really powerful like something that like could change something beyond like winning football games you know so just like to be like a really small part of it was <laughs> cool I think yeah I think I just I think all of your from from a non uh, a non-Ravens fan but a Ravens supporter I just think all the the content that you guys did around Mo was amazing, like mm. emotional tear jerking. I thought it was really well done, and and you guys continued to to push that story and um, make him feel like a part of the team and a part of the city. I thought that was really well done. Thank you. A lot of credit to our community relations department on their relationship that they built with him. It was really special. I think like everyone in the organization was really touched, you know, just to be like a small part of his story and helping tell it, obviously. Um, yeah, like what a special, what a special person. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and uh, in terms of the the social justice stuff, I think Ravens fans were proud as well to be fans of the team, not just, yeah. obviously you guys were proud to work for the team, but I remember seeing that and being like, oh, that's like the team that I root for. And they like stand for the things that I think everyone believes it should be stood for. I have one last question though. What's the most spooked you ever were when the guys were running off the field at you and you would, I'm <laughs> and there's uh, so many great clips from that, that you guys did last year. Uh, obviously it's much different this year. Uh, did you ever think someone was just going to absolutely put you in the ground? It wasn't last year, but like one of the first years we started doing it, it used to just be like Anthony Levine, Judon and Zadarius Smith. And like one of the first times I stood out there, um, Zadarius Smith like charged at me and like picked me up but like there was this like split second between like him running at me and like him picking me up that I thought he was just gonna like lay me out and I, my heart stopped and like if you go back and listen to the video like you can hear me scream <laughs> and truck me and he's freaking huge like I was petrified but, like, Mark Ingram when he hits me and just kind of like bumps into me you know and like kind of like keeps running so like I can kind of keep my balance but that one was one like I think my phone fell on the ground <laughs> like I just I was like this is it like take <laughs> that might that might that might have ended it all that might have ended it all right mm -hmm. it was this close Cassie thanks so much for coming on with us obviously I don't think anyone that listens to this show needs to be told to follow the Ravens on all the social media <laughs> platforms but we will plug the Ravens social media anyway um and yours as well you guys do an awesome job and, and we love following all the content so appreciate you giving us and the listeners some insight into all the things you guys are doing and let's go deep in the playoffs Let, I, I want you at the Super Bowl so let's make sure that happens that's where we need you to be in a, in a couple months so I hope we can go. That's what I'm nervous about. Mm. Open. Like, I don't want this to be the year like that we win and then like none of us get to be there. Like, 
So fingers crossed they still yeah. the the content squad because that would be so sad. Be tweeting it from home, but God, that really do. Would be do sad. you want to end on a on a score prediction for this weekend? Ooh. Hmm. Let's go. We can always cut it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we take this out if I'm completely wrong? I'm going to go like 34 to 7. Ravens. Ooh, I like that. 34 to 7. 35. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of this interview, the rest of the listeners can hear the predictions from the X52 podcast. Cassie, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on with us. Appreciate it. And uh, stay safe out there. Um, Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thanks, Cassie. Thanks. Back to you in the studio. Trust. Trust. Back here on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Once again, got to thank Cassie Calvert for jumping on with us. I, it's a, I, I, maybe we'll, I'll be interested to hear what listeners send us your thoughts on that. I feel like people get interested in the behind the scenes of some of these organizations. And Cassie gave you a really good look at the Ravens process for distributing all the content that so many Ravens fans see, but don't realize how many people are behind the scenes coming up with that. And, and doing all those things. And she really has had an awesome group to work with the last couple of years, personalities. As she said, you're only to a certain extent as good as who you're sticking the camera in front of. And they have certainly had some personalities. So a fun interview right there. Yeah. I thought it was really fun to, I tried to be kind of a fly on the wall there because between Cassie and, and yourself, Taylor and Marty, you guys have a lot of experience in that whole realm. So um, I've heard you talk about it a lot, but it was interesting to get another perspective and and hear about all these things we see that goes on with the Ravens, but kind of get some behind the scenes thoughts on it. And um, yeah, I tried to stay out of the way and let you guys kind of have a round table. And I thought it was a fascinating conversation. And um, those are the types of conversations I I, I want to continue to have the types of interviews on this podcast, where we just kind of deep dive into the behind the scenes of, of what given people's roles are, you know, mostly in sports, but maybe not in sports here in Baltimore. So um, I thought it was a great interview. RDT, we talked about this on the podcast, or excuse me, the interview. Obviously, you weren't on about the most starstruck we've been in an interaction. Mm-hmm. What is yours? Do you have like a, an athlete or, or a famous person you came in contact with? Me, for me, Cassie Marty was in the context of our job. What what would yours be in just seeing someone at a restaurant? I, maybe it's Adley. Maybe it's Adley. Like, I, I don't want to just say it's Adley, but I don't know. Because Adley, I kind of like. Had to play it cool. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> oh, man. You had a report I don't know. up with him a little bit, so. Yeah, we were talking earlier today. It's not a big deal. Um, or anybody that you saw from afar, you were like, oh, my God. Mine, obviously, I, I said Juan Dixon because he had been my hero for so yeah. long. So it was yeah. like seeing yeah. him. I gave my Juan Dixon story, oh, but that Lord. wasn't necessarily my answer. Yeah. I, I don't know. I got to um, – you know what? Uh, here, here, it, this all ties back together. Uh, I was at Jimmy's. Johnny had texted me one day. It was like, hey, just come in, sit at the bar at 1030. Um, just keep your eyes peeled. And so I sat down. I got some lunch, and I look over, and Johnny comes through the door, and him and Cal Ripken. This is probably February <laughs> or February. And I had never, I had never met, I've never met Cal. I've never, I've never interacted with him um, or anything, but when I saw Cal walk through the door, I like made eye contact with him and Johnny and did the, like, that's when I was like, Holy shit. Like <laughs> I think I'm sweating right now in public. The baby like, blues. Yeah. The baby blues. And like just seeing him come through the doorway, I was like, Holy shit. He's right there. And like, I've seen, I've seen him play a bunch of times. Um, but that was one of the, that was one of the coolest, coolest, maybe like starstruck 
that I've been. I think that has to be the answer for just about anybody who's ever met him because um, organically that is my answer as well, because I, my, my dad had somebody who won some sort of skybox at an Aberdeen Ironbirds game. And when you get the skybox, you get to bring in 20 people or whatever. And so mm-hmm. he brought my dad and he brought me and I got to share a skybox with Cal Ripken for a night. And I was maybe nine years old. I think I've put the picture on Twitter before I'm in my glasses. I look like a total dweeb, but <laughs> it's just me and, and everyone's hero. I mean, everyone's dad, you know, Cal Ripken, he's the man. And, and Brooks Robinson happened to be throwing out the first pitch that night for whatever reason. And he was in the skybox next door and I met him too. That was unbelievable nights. Probably like one of the most unforgettable nights of my childhood. I I was going to say with the second you started saying that um, we, uh, another funny thing, Johnny had given us tickets to when the night before Billy Joel was at Camden Yards. Was it two years ago? I guess not this summer, obviously last summer. Um, They had some event in the warehouse, like wasn't, it wasn't a public event at all. And he gave us, he gave me and my wife and our friends these tickets. I was like, here, you know, it was Bill Cower's wife was performing there singing (laughs) because they're close with the Angelus, the Angelus family. That's Um, interesting. Like from, from their time living in Nashville, it was really, it was really strange. But so I heard Bill Cower's wife sing this country song that I have no idea what it was. And, but that, um, who was there? Kate, Kate, a bunch of the Orioles minor leaguers. Um, and halfway through the thing, I look over and Brooks Robinson and Eddie Murray are walking like 10 feet from me. And they were th- just mingling there with people and they were doing drinks and cocktails and little like finger foods and stuff like that. But so then I was like back to back with Eddie Murray at a table. Michael Elias was at the table next to me, but, but seeing like Brooks and Eddie, like walking towards me i did i did like a double take and was like holy shit yeah and and i never i meant to like go up and introduce myself and just shake their hand and i never did and i feel like that's something that i'm always going to live down like yeah yeah not it wasn't like a fan event like i didn't see them at fan fest pissing in the bathroom like hey can i shake your hand can we get a picture it was like a nice formal event where it was like acceptable to go up and like oh here you want to have a beer, you know, something like that. And I didn't because I just flat out chickened out with Brooks. And yeah. I feel like that's something that I will absolutely never get the chance to do again. And just, I should have jumped at it. And that I was mostly my thing with Cal Ripken is that mm-hmm. I was nine years old and I was like, Oh my God, it's Cal Ripken. Like, it wasn't just like, Hey, he's there. What do I do? What do I do? Like the story mm-hmm. Cassie told he's, she's in the, in a, um, an elevator with, with coach K and she's like, Oh my God, what do I say? Like, I, I got like, I'm on a time limit here. Yeah, like, nine seconds like, left yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And whereas like I had all the time in the world and I still think, I don't know if I, if I said more than three words to the guy, cause I was mm-hmm. so like in awe of all that is Cal Ripken. Yeah. My other one little quick story is, um, my grandfather used to run like the media gate at M&T Bank Stadium or PSI Net Stadium at the time. Mm-hmm. And he would let in the media for every game and, and give them the credentials and stuff. And so like once a year, I would go to a game, my dad, and we would kind of hang out by the gate. And it's right by where that player's parking lot is. And it was the year that Deion Sanders was on the Ravens. And he just like walked in. It, I had no, it's not a story because I didn't like meet him or anything. It was just like he walked by and he was just wearing the most outrageous fur coat I've ever seen in my life. And that like, five, 10 seconds is burned into my brain of, of prime time, just walking in. And now, now he's a coworker, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Wild. 
is there anyone that jumps out that would be like your number one person to meet? Like, like that we, that I haven't met or the banks hasn't met that you haven't met again. Like since I've never officially met Cal, obviously that would be an awesome one. Um, for, for me, it's probably Joe Flacco. It's just like, he's just kind of a white whale for me for a while. And like, I know that the ship has sailed and we're on to the Lamar train now. And Lamar would be like crazy too, but Lamar is 23 years old and I'm 29. Like it's a, it's a little less, you know, I know that's mm-hmm. kind of your thing, Eric, but, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> like shots. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, Joe, I mean, Joe's the man, like, I, yeah. And he, he, he's, he's so quiet and kind of mysterious. Like he is kind of, I know he's not like, like a super global icon athlete or anything, but locally he's like, he's Joe, he's Joe fucking Flacco. Like that, you know, it'd be sweet to meet the guy. Yeah. My, my local one would, I think it would be just a, just very cool to, to talk to Ed Reed about Ravens football. I think him too, him too, for sure. he, He would be number one. Just after hearing him talk, he has actually at Maryland this January during spring ball. I would have loved to have been down there when he was down there. I'm to see him talk to those both guys. guys. We would love to have on the podcast and both yeah. guys that, open like, invite. I don't think are wildly, you know, you know, I think that's totally, never know until totally you ask. Thing. I don't know that Joe has done anything remotely close to a podcast type thing. No, probably not. That, probably I mean, won't until he's be, done. Probably won't until he's done. I don't know that he ever will. I just, does, it doesn't seem to be his MO and that's what makes Joe so cool. Most people, most people, most people end up jumping on something. You would, point. you would There's think so that he would have been on part of my take on. by now, just given the whole Joe Flacco yeah, lead. Sure. Like I'm sure they've asked that, you know, kind of ship has sailed to a degree, but like, whatever, you know, it's welcome to, welcome to the podcast anytime, especially given what his jets did last week. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Uh, Mar- uh, Nick Cantor medley, Maryland, Person. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. I got of it. Of the week. It's the Jets. Thanks. It's the Jets. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I, 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 I couldn't thought tell what we were doing. Yeah. No, I thought yeah. that it was going to be. We'll I was get like, right letting now. you kind of like re-tee it there for me. Yeah, it's the Jets. I love my Jets. The J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, whether Joe saw the field or not, um, the, Joe, uh, <laughs> the Jets went out there and did a job. Um, be forever thankful for what they did. Um, it was It was sweet. Like, like I said, on the incident analysis, I just sat here in front of my TV and like pretty much turned my attention away from this Ravens game because it was like, all right, business done here. Let's fucking go Jets. And then the other team, the other game was going on too that we were interested in. And the Jets got the job done and we're forever thankful for the Jets. So the Jets have to win my Merrill Man of the Week. Easy. RDT. Um, I will go with another person that you had already mentioned and who is quite literally a Maryland man. It's got to be Stefan Diggs. Like, he's just been so much fun to watch. He's been fun to watch his entire football career. Good counsel, Maryland, Minnesota, and now in Buffalo. Like, he's just he, – I, I love him so much. Um, and, like, they – who was it on? ESPN. Who did they play on the Monday night? The, the Steelers a couple weeks ago. Two weeks ago, three weeks Sunday ago. Sunday night, yeah. Yeah, Sunday night they did a thing on them, um, on him and Josh Allen like being buddies and playing Warzone together and stuff yeah, like that. Good, and it was good like, article I read there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the story, yeah. cover of ESPN. Just really cool stuff. Again, like obviously, I think all three of us have been following him for an extended period of time. Um, Dude, just watching so him. I, I mean, I remember his good counsel, him and Jelani Jenkins and Kate, yeah. Caleb Porzell. He, at, at, he was um, supposed to go to my high school. 
Who, uh, his, I, I played with his half brother. Um, he was supposed to come to Seneca Valley High School, um, or at least it was like in the realm of his options to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the most storied public, you know, public school high school programs in the state. And this is a kid who was like well known in the circles. Oh, absolutely. Middle school football, obviously. And he came to the school or something and he talked to our head coach. Apparently, this is a story, is one of those things, it's just like, you know, could be a myth of sorts. And I have another myth that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you in a second too about Stefan Diggs. He came to Seneca Valley and told told the head coach, like, hi, I'm Stefan Diggs. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna start for your football team next year. Like he, and he said it because he's that's the kind of guy he is. Like he he doesn't say it in a cocky way. It's not and like this is who he is. what like a he's like just, an eighth grader. Yeah, he's just that confident a person. Like he he is a determined person. Like that's his makeup. He says like I am going to do something. I'm going to prove whatever wrong. Like this is something that is going to happen because I says it's, I say it's going to happen and I'm going to make it happen. And I think like the story is that just that like our coach just kind of misread it or just kind of like said well that that kid you know like okay yeah Mm -hmm. sure like that kind of thing and i mean he likely goes to uh good counsel anyways i mean they've got the program and they you know led him to success but especially at that time they had studs the other story i don't know if you've heard this either taylor given just the circles that you run in but he was committed to maryland stopped by like a spring practice and he wasn't you know in the program yet per se but he was committed he came to a practice and was just hanging out on the sidelines. Everyone knew who he was because he's the biggest recruit that the schools had in, in decades, maybe in school history at the time. And uh, I think the corners, the cornerbacks in practice were just kind of chirping at him, just like kind of joking around with him, maybe just kind of like whatever, like talking shit or whatever. And uh, Stefan just like wasn't wearing athletic shoes. So he just like kicked his shoes off, and was in his bare feet. Um, got just lined up against, I want to say it was like was Dexter McDougal. Is that the right name? Mm-hmm. Ended up playing. Yeah, Dex, right. Dex McDougal would be there. Yeah. He could yeah. talk too. He I could think talk he, a bit. he yeah, ran, he, talk a bit, yeah. he ran a route against him and just toasted him for, and for a touchdown and then just like dropped the ball and said, I'll see you next year, boys. <laughs> just something along those lines. That it's, does not, that does not surprise me. That does not surprise me. There are a lot of Stefan big stories. Have you had him on here? The around. turtle? No, Stefan is an elusive guy. He yeah. is an elusive guy. He's, he he's also tougher. He also obviously, I mean, Maryland has had, I mean, no one, everyone that follows Maryland knows this. There's so much turnover. When you have so much coach turnover, that like disconnects players who played for different yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And with with obviously Coach Locks is so beloved among the alums that Steph has now gotten more involved. He was on Coach Loxley's Instagram live show. He's, you know, endowing a scholarship for the program. Um, so he's now back involved. Um, but in terms of he is elusive in terms of <laughs> doing stuff for the athletic department at this point. Uh, but I think he is his interaction with the program has been rekindled a bit. Um, the the Rakim Jarrett connection has also been pretty cool. Um, and he played a part. He's he is playing a part. I mean, he is his influence on these local kids is big. Like they look at him as the guy they look at him as where everyone wants to get so he kind of believe me everyone in maryland roots for stefan diggs because his success beguiles more maryland success in what he i does, mean so the guy committed on the stage that used to exist at college park loonies like he on one of the legendary yeah. videos oh ever. the grainy cell phone video like yeah 
I happened awesome. to be at Looney's whenever he was there on his visit. And it was just like, I, was, I remember being with a group of people and half the people like were, were visitors. They, they weren't Maryland people. They went to another school. And I was just like, holy shit, like that's Stefan Diggs. This is supposed to be, this is a huge visit. Like, and they chose to bring him here. Like Loxley was there at the table, you know, chopping it up with them. And it was like, dude, why do you care? And he's like, I care because that guy can change our football program. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he committed at that same uh, same bar. I just remember like thinking like, there's no way he's going to go to Florida. There's no way he's going to go out to Ohio State. Like, if he's sitting here at Looney's, like on this oh, state, no like th- he can't, he can't, he would never be able to show his face there again. Yeah, yeah. But that that was the... that was and awesome. The... And just seeing him the last couple of weeks, like now he's getting the national headlines. Now he's getting the leads the NFL in yards and catches. And it's like they, they're the Bills are going to be a problem. And watching him and Josh Allen for the next couple of years is going to be super fun. Cause like Taylor, like you said, everyone in the state of Maryland roots for him. I don't think anyone, obviously everyone wishes he was on the Ravens. Everyone wishes he was on the Redskins, but it's like, even so it's like, they, we're just so jacked up every time he does something. I love every time he scores a touchdown, Twitter goes nuts. And I just love it. It's great fodder for, and believe me, there are so many Ravens fans and football team, Washington football team fans that hop in the Terps football mentions on every single <laughs> one of those tweets. And it's quote tweets and it's replies. And it's like, why do the two football teams that are 20 miles away from Maryland not pick this guy? There's a lot of teams that are mad they didn't pick that guy in the fifth round. Banks, shout out to you. You said he was going to be a star in your blog many years ago. Many years ago. When you watched him at Maryland, he was a, an absolute star. Obviously, he's he has turned into one. It's 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 a pretty cool. It can't be understated the influence that the guy has on the program, and just I would be interested to hear. Like, I would imagine that people from outside of Maryland are like exhausted of us hearing about how much we love the guy. But probably you have to like that in the state flag. Well, that of course, but like <laughs> they're just idiots on that one. Um, they they don't. I don't think those people would have the the understanding of what it's like to have such a talented pool of like football players in this area and just see the Alabamas and the Ohio States and even the Penn States, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit up, up the road and um, all these blue blood programs just come in and pick off all of our best players every single year when there's a football program in a, in a power five, like probably the second best football conference in the nation, there's a school right down the street. And for years and years, those players would go away for school. And um, I think we've all known that as soon as we just kind of turn the tides and start uh, harvesting that talent and keeping them home, like the Maryland football program is a sleeping giant potentially. And there, there have always been top players that, that talk the talk about staying at home and they kind of dangle it out in front of the Maryland football program. And, the, the fan base at Maryland kind of falls in love with these guys and then they go somewhere else. And Stefan Diggs kind of did the opposite. Like, but like, you know, he ran through his recruitment. I think it was a very traditional, normal recruitment. It wasn't, he wasn't like one of those kids that like, yeah. you know, one of those kids. Um, it's changed a lot with social media. But yeah. yeah. And then he picked Maryland. He stayed home. Like it, it, it meant a lot at the time. Like it meant a lot then it means a lot now. Um, it's loyalty, you know, and uh, sure. I wish we could have given him a better college career, but that's, that's uh, we could write books about that. For sure. And there's a, you're not there's talking a, to, you're not talking about guys that would like wear Maryland cleats in the Under Armour All-American game 
and then like decommit and then go to like another school and then get cut and like hang out with strippers and all that, right? I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, yeah, okay. I, 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 I got it mixed up then. Sorry. I don't know. Does he, he, he plays in the NFL right now? Oh, no, no he, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> oh, he doesn't, he doesn't no, no, play no, in the no. NFL. No, That's he right. definitely does <laughs> he not did. play in the NFL right now. Do you see Sir, Sir Yachts on his bullshit again? I saw Sir that. Sir Yachts. That guy, <laughs> it's so good. I, I didn't oh, see that. What did he so say? If, if Dwayne Haskins signs here, I'll do. I'll walk to Cincinnati. You didn't see what he said? No. No, he said Steelers. Steelers. Yeah, essentially he said – he confirmed what a couple people floated out there that are more legitimate. Like, yeah, I'm hearing this team and that team, but I'm hearing that the Steelers are going to try to make a move on them quick. And I say, bring that shit on. If you think Jesus, man, like it would be more delusional for the Steelers than what they've done the last couple of years to just think that Ben Roethlisberger uh, to not really have a succession plan there. Um, I, I actually thought that they should have taken Jalen Hurts last year and they just passed over him, I think multiple times. Um, and then for, if they were to try to like, then be like, Oh, well, Dwayne Haskins, he could be the guy. Like that would be, so, it would be even worse. Like <laughs> I, I want that so bad to just, so we could just shit on, on that guy for another few years. We could do hours of podcasts on Dwayne Haskins. So my, yeah, that's all I got to say. My, my Maryland uh, person of the week is uh, another Maryland uh, a person affiliated with Maryland. It's Dante Scott uh, dunked all over Wisconsin his face the other night big win for the Terps Dante Scott has really grown into himself this year um and he is if you have a lot of free time in your hands and you want to go watch videos of Maryland media availability Dante Scott is one of the more interesting dudes to hear talk kind of under the radar uh he's a very good player uh he's a Philly guy um not bad to have some Philly toughness with our Baltimore toughness and our DMV toughness that's not a bad three combinations of basketball towns Dante Scott's going to be a really good Terp he's going to be a four-year guy He's a stud. So shout out to Dante. Shout out to the Terps on the win. Shout out to Scott Van Pelt for bringing it all home that night. That was a fun night to be a Terps fan. You know, real quick, you know who I get? I, I think of Dante. When I think of Dante Scott, I think of a better Shaq clear. Like mm, very I, different positionally, though. But, very, but yeah. like body size and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're that's thick, thick guys. Build. Yeah. When I yeah. see him, I'm like leaned up a little bit. Like that's what that Shaq clear is. Could have been, but not obviously not a Shaq clear would have been a more of a post player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but like Man. I said, like when I saw him like in uniform, I'm like that, that guy guy's was a that's disappointment. Yeah. yeah, he was very nice guy. And like I don't know if this is like what people remember really closely. He put out an entire quote in the, when he transferred about how sorry he was he didn't live up to expectations. Like class guy from the mm-hmm. Bahamas. Yeah, I wanted yeah. Scott to like I I hitched my wagon to him. I was like, yeah, me too. We're riding, baby. Yeah, the the Shaq Clear, Seth Allen, Charles Mitchell class didn't exactly. Charles Mitchell, go that guy, that was. But Charles Mitchell. Dante during the game. Yeah, I got some stories from Dante. Dante Scott. There's some Charles Mitchell things to talk about now on this podcast. Look like Chuck. Dante Scott's body type reminds me, and not to put too much on him, on the thicker version of Carmelo Anthony. That is who he reminds me of from a like, and a little bit of like an understated game. um, Mm -hmm. The way like Carmelo kind of scores. That's a lot of. That's like a very high comp. But that is who he reminds me of a little bit. He can like work and pass out of the post as like a three and like or like he was playing the five the other night as the two yeah. small. But uh, my honorable mentions before we get to you guys, uh, Christmas cookies can't get enough. There you go, uh, Alvin one. Alvin Kamara uh, for leading me to two fantasy championships, nice, which okay. leads into another one, which is me for winning two fantasy championships. <laughs> I am an honorable mention for this award. Um, and then do I have any else here? 
Uh, oh, oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. The darts for the third. The darts, of course, are an honorable mention for this award again. Although I guess they won two weeks ago, but two straight honorable mentions for a spectator sport that everyone should be watching. Should throw Any, Joe Cullen on there. Specifically. Joe Cullen, MVG, one of the most entered. I haven't had a group chat chat popping like that about a sporting event probably throughout the entire quarantine, and it was eight guys talking about a dart, nine guys talking about a darts match, or eight guys. I don't remember how. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable group chat. I think those are the only people paying for zone in the tri-state area, but unless <laughs> <laughs> someone's watching like the Canelo fight, but that, that is a uh, God, just so good. It's just such a good, I mean, I can't get enough of it. Any honorable mentions heads, heads, heads into the quarters. Uh, honorable mentions for me. I've got, um, I've got snake drafts. I've been listening to Barcelona, Chicago's dog walk snake drafts. Um, I've known they've existed for a long time. I see the graphics on Twitter every week. I've maybe listened to a couple in the past, but this past week I've just been blowing through them one by one. And I just think it's a tremendous podcast. It's every Monday they do one, go check it out. Um, our uh, friends are at Barcel Chicago uh, masters commercials. It has to make mm. my honorable mention. We just, as we were getting ready to start this podcast, we saw our first masters commercials. Um, it's, it's December 30th. It's been six weeks since the masters ended. And, uh, we also noted that the the as we uh, applauded their social media team six weeks ago when it ended, they shut down their social media as soon <laughs> as that tournament ends, and it's just so tremendous. There, the tweet says like uh, "till next time" or like "till April," and they just tweet a picture of uh, the 12th tee over Race Creek, and they literally shut it down. Like the Masters is over. Have said Masters nothing. Incredible goes absolutely just dark for months. And now we see the commercials. Um, we're still, you know, three plus months away, but it's exciting to see them nonetheless. Um, and then I was going to congratulate, uh, I was going to congratulate Taylor for winning fantasy football leagues, but uh, <laughs> since he was, you know, Andrew because I, I thought that he might not be humble or might, he <laughs> might be, I thought that he might be humble and not, and not congratulate himself. Um, but that's exactly <laughs> what he did. So I'm going to, um, uh, give give one to myself for for thinking ahead and just having you on my honorable mention list. I try to give you props. So uh, honorable mention to me for being. Instead, nice I was just, I was just a me guy. I'm just being an honorable, just like individual honorable mention for an honorable guy. Sure, you are an honorable guy. Thank you. Got any RDT? Yeah. So um, I have one. It is for my buddy who has a birthday today, um, LeBron James. Oh no! Oh my games. God! Oh no! Uh huh. Thousand straight games and double figures. Um, and just being. His oh, birthday. who cares about double figures, um, man? If it's not a double double, hey, I don't care. It's because it's his triple birthday. Triple double, rather. And... Triple doubles are what I'm all about. Yeah, we're on the triple double watch, but we also don't have any wins yet in in DC. Yeah, we're not um, talking about that team today. So happy birthday! Also, and I'll throw this out there: the athletic birthdays today of Tiger Woods, Tiger yep. LeBron, and Sandy Koufax has to be the three greatest. Sandy's tough. He just I mean, got washed away in the last exactly. 20 years. Exactly. Yeah. Like if Sandy Koufax is like an afterthought, it's like, oh, that's right. That's, and that's a and big that's loss for the tribe. Sandy Koufax. Oh, that's yeah, one of my tribesmen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that always just blows my mind too every year. It's like everyone always remembers Tiger and LeBron. It's like, oh, and throw. Oh, Sandy. by the way, Sandy Koufax. Uh, um, four no hitters, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Didn't pitch on Yom Kippur. 
Um, <laughs> People forget that. <laughs> and, um, another another one of my uh, Maryland men of the week, which I, or my honorable mention, is uh, the San Diego Padres because they are all in. They are putting all. Yes, the they are. The oh man, uh, they you, truly are. Like Snell, Slam Diego, baby, Manny. Manny Manny's gonna get a ring soon. I'm I'm feeling it. Um, them and the Dodgers gonna be a lot of fun. That's it's gonna be unbelievable, and and yeah, that's gonna be fun to watch. I've um, got my. They gotta bring shirt. Vin back for those games. Only those games. <laughs> With the um, shout out Jared Carabas for getting the the follow from Vin, Vin Scully, Scully on follow. Twitter. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't know if that's really him or not, but that's uh, that's quite a uh, quite a, an accomplishment. And then um, my last one, you know, I guess we're a Capitals uh, podcast, but Chara. That was a. That's a that weird signing. Of, it's a terribly weird signing. It's a weird signing. It makes the guy's no sense to me. Three years old. He's eight yeah. foot nine. I, I, for how little he's able to move, and the defenseman that they have, yeah. they're they're moving towards like, yeah, they they're physical, but they 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 operate with a lot of speed, and and mm-hmm. with the rest of the pairings, like I don't know that there's a pairing that makes sense. And then on top of that, you're like, well, at least he could be like the sixth or seventh defenseman and be an asset on the power play, but their power play is very set. There's not a spot for him on the first unit. So yeah, I don't even know. It's, I don't know. It's just weird. I did like a triple take when I saw it on Twitter today. Like, huh? Like what? Yeah. He was really joke. like, this is going to be weird. But like I said, I mean, it, it's Leave a pretty cheap deal. And yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. sure. Like I, sure. I'm, I'm here for the Tom Wilson and Chara memes. Like give, give me all those. And that is when they're on the ice at the same time, it's going to be ferocious. Yeah. It's, it's gonna Obi be too. Fun. I mean, Obi's a unit. Yeah, so, that's true. So yeah, plus they'll they'll be fun to play with in it's uh, gonna, NHL. With it's them. Gonna, it's going to be like the uh, NES ice hockey. It's just going to be like the three fat guys. Yeah, pretty just, much. So. <laughs> absolute units. Uh, other notable December thirtieth birthdays, just for fun. Uh, Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Sheckler. Uh, Ellie Golding. Oh, big Ellie Golding fan. Huge Ellie uh, Golding fan. Um, I had a couple more here. Uh, Sean Hannity. <laughs> <laughs> Kenyon Martin. Oh, Ty- Kmart. Tyrese Gibson. Layla Ali. AJ Przinsky. And if you're a big Olympics person, which I know Banks is, mm. Otto Bolden, the NBC commentator and wow. a multiple-time medalist and disgraced Canadian sprinter Ben Johnson. <laughs> All also born on December 30th. That's such a, a well placed tr- disgraced. A, a, a pretty <laughs> tremendous, a pretty. Oh, and speaking of disgraced, Matt Lauer also born on December 30th. Are we so, just going to skip over uh, Matt just, Lauer? You no, know, we're just going to skip over the fact that LeBron shares a birthday with those two clowns and, and Meredith Vieira. Another early, another uh, morning show person. Ju- uh, wow. Julia Rose, Logan Paul's girlfriend, or Jake Paul, or one of them. Oh, forgot about Julia. The Rose. World Series uh, oh flasher. Flasher. Yes, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Getting that t- then that TikTok YouTube world. Poof, that is a. There's a lot of these. The, a lot of these names. Eliza Eliza Dushku. Forgot about uh, that. Uh, actress. Excuse yeah. me. Uh huh. Yeah. No, you heard me. You know. <laughs> Miami Tip this is 35 today. He's a rapper, I think. It just sounds about like it. a region. <laughs> what it. an interesting disgrace uh, talk with Ben Johnson and Matt Lauer. That is yeah, a tough scene. What a pairing. That is a tough scene. That's a heck of a day for birthdays. Do you guys know like the most famous person born on your birthday? Do you have any idea? I, I have do. my I have my like if I'm golfing with three people, if you're doing your maybe that's what we do, like your your golf pair foursome for your birthday, you included um wow i just know one birthday off the top of my head for my my birthday it's jamie spears same day 
Same year. Jamie Lynn Spears. Jamie Lynn Spears. Yeah, Jamie Lynn Spears. Have a little respect. Put some respect. Oh my God, Jamie Spears. Who's that? I was. I knew there was another name in there, but I like was blanking. Mm. I was about to hit the Google on my phone. Already today. Uh, so my golf foursome would be me, uh, Ray Rice, <laughs> Guy Fieri, and um, Ubaldo Jimenez. I guess I got to pull up my, my golf let foursome. Me, let me fourth. say something because I have looked at this multiple times hoping that oh, interesting people would be born on my birthday. <laughs> and, and there's just nobody. So give me a, give me the birthday. I want to scroll down this list. Uh, January 18th. So oh, gonna, January 22nd. There we go. Wow. I didn't know we'll that. Bir- yeah. We'll have a birthday. Week. Well, we'll have a birthday wow. week. Um, and I'm going to go with Kevin Costner. Um, no, Dave, no. Ba- Dave mm-hmm. Batista and uh, Pep Guardiola, the soccer coach. Those are gonna be my three. That's a <laughs> rough day. Uh, Brady Anderson and Martin O'Malley are also there. They oh, it's the, huge. Wait, wait, wait. They you would be in the Maryland. It's huge. huge. And not would, Brady Anderson. Well, I was doing a Maryland, a different one. Brady Anderson should be in there over. Uh, Dave Batista has to be in there. We got to talk Dave wrestling. Batista. I, he's got to be in there. We'll pop uh, We'll pop Pep out. He doesn't speak, he doesn't speak great English. It's oh, actually. Jason Siegel. Did you say him? Oh, I didn't see him. Yeah, oh, Jason, Jason Siegel. Oh, it's huge. Anyway, it's not like, yeah, it's it's just it's not as good as you know, disgraced sprinters. I, I wear my disgraced sprinters, but whatever. I started laughing maniacally there because I the fact that I've always had thought of Jamie Lynn Spears first when Robert Downey Jr. and Heath Ledger are on on the same day as well. And I just <laughs> I think of Jamie Lynn Spears first. <laughs> That's a lot of by the way, Robert Downey Jr. and Heath Ledger is a lot of like tortured actor. All right. He died yeah. on my birthday too, Heath Ledger. So wow, Eric Andre, David Cross. This is a rough list on January 18th, Taylor. That's what I'm telling you. It's not a good list. It's not. I mean, Bryce Alford is on there. I was on Martin Perez, uh, the pitcher, is on the same exact birth year and date as mine. Like Ruslan Fedotanko sticks out. Like (laughs) Tor Hushud, who's in the – any of my Tour de France fans, great sprinter. Landry Jones. Dave Mira. Wow. R.I.P. Wow. R.I.P. Dave Mira, former host fun, of the Fun channel. fact. Do you want to know a fun wow. fact? Banks and I were recording our old podcast when we found out that Dave Mira died. I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember. That's very depressing. Yeah, I remember. Oh, I remember. Maybe Dave that's Mira something awesome. we have the listeners do. That that could be a fun sit in the sit at uh, kill some time today. Yeah, send us your send us your uh, birthday send us your golf birthday foursome. golf foursome. Your birthday golf foursome. Um. I hope you're, if you're born on January 18th, maybe we can play together because we don't have a lot of pickings <laughs> here. Um, you, you, can see, you can send that one in. You can send that one in. Just an unbelievable lack of interesting people. Angelique that's, Kerber? That's bad. Brady Anderson didn't even make the list that I was looking at, too. So, I go on Wikipedia. Go on Wikipedia. I love Eric Andre. He's How great. old do you think that guy is? He's probably early 40s. Oh, wow. He's 37. Well, there we go. Oh, okay. 83. We'll we'll come back next week for another another golf foursome subject. We'll 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 try to pick another one. How about that? Yeah, um, doesn't do that. suck. Mailbag. We got some things in the mailbag. RDT, do you have anything you want to throw out at us? That is, uh, we haven't already addressed on this show. Yeah. It, well, no, I think we did address the one that I was going to ask was the the what teams would you guys what what teams would you want the Ravens to play? Like rank them and list. But again, we kind of you guys feel free to do that. that I can fill out the entire list here. Steelers are give one. A quick run through. Yeah. The, if for the scenarios that could play out of who we would play on wildcard weekend, the number one 
team we would want to play is the Steelers. They would just check so many boxes to beat those clowns. Uh, two, um, two, I think would be, two would be the Colts. I think two would be the Colts. We beat them before. Um, it was a little bit, I had to think about like whether or not I want to go down the Titans road there, but like just in the off chance that we were to lose that game again, that just like that. I mean, I don't know that I ever come back from that. Um, three would be Titans and then four would be bills. Like bills are a distant fourth. Yeah. I think, I, I think I, I hate to agree with you, but I, I, I think of it as like, who is the scariest player I don't want to face. And to me, that's how it ranks out. I'm not really, this is, I mean, I'm not really scared of anybody that plays for the Steelers. Like it's a nice offensive core, but there's no one in there that just wins the game themselves. That's pretty much the same for Indianapolis, except Jonathan Taylor is kind of low key. He's He's turning it on. They have a great offensive Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry can win the game for the Titans by himself as he's done now twice to the Ravens. And then I, I mean, look, I love Marlon Humphrey in the Ravens secondary. I don't want to see any part of, at least in the first round, obviously, of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, which is would be kind of impossible for the Ravens to do. But I do think that's a team the Ravens can beat. For sure. Um, Because the running game there, the running game there is not really there. And if you have you have enough in the secondary to kind of get after Diggs and Beasley and force yeah. Josh Allen into some decisions, I, they're they're beatable. I mean, and so are by the way that Kansas City team that played Atlanta. We talked about a little bit of an instant analysis. That's a beatable team. That yeah. is a beatable team. And Something I know down a little bit, but yeah. Something we haven't really touched on on this podcast yet. We're still banged up. We still need to get healthy. Very so, banged up. So like we need to do what we need to do to win this game here on Sunday, um, and then obviously all hands on deck. Um, against you know whoever we would play on wildcard weekend but um if we could have you know one more week of rest before we have to face a marquee team such as the bills or the chiefs that would be ideal we'll take those guys on when when the when the time comes but we should try to avoid that smoke in the short term could you imagine a stefan diggs versus um marlon humphrey or marcus peters just shit talking just I, I think watching them on like an isolated camera would the, be fantastic. The thing about Marlon and Stefan is like, they will both talk a lot of shit, but they're mm-hmm. just football guys. They're not, yeah. they're not like, it's not, um, it's not going to be a Josh Norman. Or, or, or who's the guy who, uh, your guy who fought Andre Johnson. No, Corlin Finnegan. Finnegan. They're not going yeah. to talk like personal shit. You know, Mm-mm. they're yep. just going to be guys playing ball and playing ball hard. And that'd be a lot of fun to see. Let yeah, me it's not going to be the what. Norman and OBJ. The, the, God bless JC Jackson. But boy, after JC Jackson popped off a bit in the end zone and gave Stefan the old incomplete, that <laughs> got very bad for my man, JC, who's another <laughs> Maryland who's another Maryland guy. But, oh, oh, I do apologize to him on Twitter. Um, it just, just, just got so tough. It's just 27. <laughs> it's just following 14 down the field and all of the clips that we're putting up, except he did meet, he beat McCordy on the last touchdown. He beat McCordy. Um, so not that, not as bad, but yeah, I, I think that ranking of those teams, you're right though. A uh, Diggs Humphrey would just be like two guys, like really at the top end of the line corner versus receiver. Like that would be real. That's a fun, and that's mm-hmm. a fun individual matchup. Um, to throw in there. And I don't think you really find that with any of those teams. I mean, I guess AJ Brown, but he's not on Diggs's level right now. None of those Steelers guys are on that level right now. Claypool probably thinks that he is. Um, (laughs) 
And then Indianapolis doesn't really have, I mean, they're doing enough with like Michael Pittman and Zach Pascal and I like late in the season rejuvenation from T.Y. Hilton. It was weird how how late that came. Yeah, and maybe that's just, he just found some chemistry with Phil Rivers, but um, and then obviously Tyree Hill is just, is just petrifying at all times. And as is Mahomes. Uh, we had last week, I believe, a question about Ernest Biner and the Ring of Honor. Do we want to? Do we want to talk about that? That's such a weird, low-key Ravens thing. We talk about that to yeah. end the show here. What is your take on Ernest Biner and the Ravens Ring of Honor? He's the first Ring of Honor member, right. and I think when you right. go into the stadium, most Ravens fans would be like, "Who the hell is that?" Yeah, most people would say that. I I mostly only know it because, that, like I mentioned before, my grandfather worked at the stadium he brought back some promotional like thing that they gave out for his ring of honor day. And it was, and he had him autograph it. And I was like, okay, cool. Ernest Biner ring of honor. I was like seven years old. Like, Oh, that, that guy must've been really good. Like, no, not really. You know, I got older, found out, no, that guy's whatever. He's most famous for fumbling, which I'm sure Browns fans love coming to Baltimore and seeing that guy up his name, like <laughs> up in the stadium, like, Oh yeah got to watch the football team that, that left our city. And Oh, by the way, they put uh, one of our biggest, uh, I don't know, our worst moments up on their ring of honor, essentially big time over just hit in the cotton bowl, big fired up about that. Um, anyways. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is definitely, there's no question about it that they just like wanted to introduce the, this ring of honor. They wanted to set it up. You know, I don't think that there were expectations that they're going to put somebody in every year, but you have to start with somebody. And he had, you know, I mean, he had a decent NFL career and he played a little bit in the NFL. It's, it's not too different than I think the nationals, the Washington nationals putting Pudge Rodriguez into theirs, you know, that guy had a heck of, heck of a career, probably a better career than Ernest Biner, but you know, I don't know that Pudge played more than 80 games for the nationals. So if you go to the Ravens Ring of Honor website, they have sort of their, you know, characteristics that you need. And it's about character, gratitude, vision, passion, faith, and courage, competitive spirit, and humility. And then the reasoning for Ernest Biner being in is that he is a tie between the two cities where that connects the it's franchise. He also, he also coached. Oh, man. He also oh, okay. coached for the team from 98 to 2003. He was inducted in 2000. It is still a weird one to me that they didn't because their next ring of honor in um, Johnny U inductees sure. are Johnny Unitas and the Baltimore Colts. And it's weird that that wasn't the first one as like an olive branch to a entire fandom. I think of history. that was just damage control from Cleveland, yeah. I guess, but who Probably. cares? Like the yeah, who cares? It's Cleveland. But why they weren't doing the damage control to old Baltimore fans that love the Colts first. They should have done that day one. I mean, it's I guess they waited that for that one stadium, but. They waited for definitely waited for a new stadium, um, because that started when the new stadium came in. Essentially, plus those guys were all all pretty old at that point, and they were probably not. Yeah, to be, so not October, to morbid, but probably dropping, you know, like flies. Um, is there anybody else in here that you don't think deserves to be in here? And for the listeners, it's Ernest Biner, all these Baltimore Colts guys, Unitas Moore, Donovan Parker, Barry Hendricks, Mackey, um. Art Modell is in it, obviously. <laughs> Michael McCrary, Peter Bulware, Jonathan Ogden, Matt Stover, Jamal Lewis, Ray Lewis, Todd Heap, Ed Reed, Brian Billick, Haloti Nada, and then they're going to put Marshall Yanda in um, at some point. I think that's exactly what it should be. Like, 
if you could, if you were to think about who might be the, the first guy out that isn't on it at the moment, um, that isn't still playing or something like that, maybe Chris McAllister. I don't know. Yeah. You didn't say his name, did you? No. He'd probably be the first, like the first guy out, but yeah, Ernest Biner is, is just not, is, is the one that is not like the others. It's, yeah. I was going to say, sure. what about one you, of these you is not like to the put others. Dave Zastadil in? <laughs> Sam Cook will go in. I'm sure he's going to probably go in. Yeah. That's a lot and of that, punts, man. So, and th- that brings me to my next question here. It does feel like they pretty much have it right that there's no one in here or no one not yeah. in there. They took a I'm while going, to put Billick in, but they got him back. Not in makes sense. Obviously, you know, Heap and, and Jamal and Stover Ogden. McCrary is maybe the yeah, borderline one. But that was as you're Pro starting Bowls, to build it out a little two bit. Two Pro Bowls, one all pro, wins a Super Bowl. It's it's a resume. He great guy in the community. Everyone liked him. Yeah. Um Peter Bullware yeah. kind of was a quick flame, but you're a defensive rookie of the year. You made an all pro team. He deserves to be on there. Um Matt Stover, obviously longevity. From this, from from the recent stretch, I think obviously Yonda will go in. They will put Flacco in. Um, what about the wide receivers? Yeah, Flacco going for sure. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe you, maybe we're missing a Travis Taylor or a, or Mark Clayton. I mean, you know, I mean, might... does does a Bolden make it? I don't does, know. I don't think he was he here Smith? long enough. But what he did was so. I, it's tough to say that what Anquan Bolden did for the franchise was not more influential than Mark, Mike McCrary, though. Mm-hmm. Never like, made a Pro Bowl with the team. Does a Derek Mason? Yeah, you know? Bolden's statistics, particularly in the regular season, are far more underwhelming than you would think. Because what he accomplished in that playoffs was so elite and so memorable that you know people remember it. The receiver, I actually so. think that has a better chance, and I don't think it's Derek Mason. I actually think it's Tory Smith. And I think it's because if yeah. he does a lot of community work here, mm-hmm. I think he's got a chance to be like an all-time beloved community figure. And he's I trending agree. that way already, mm-hmm. yeah. going to Maryland. And now he's like doing all these amazing things in inner city Baltimore. And that's a guy that after a while, they're just like, look, like maybe he joins the organization in a fashion. He was, Ozzie Newsom is obviously going to get in Oh um, yeah, at some point here as well. I'm sure he um, was going to go in at some point this year, except – covid so they just pushed it off yeah so he will he will go in and then you look back at the rest of some of these guys that have left recently yonda flacco and then the guys in the current team uh terrell suggs will obviously go into this at some Mm -hmm. point justin tucker will go into this at some point um maybe sam cook maybe i I think sam cook will i feel like there's another one that's like staring us right in the face morgan cox that yeah morgan cox banks maybe I think they put the Wolfpack in together. I think that'd be awesome. That would be pretty interesting. That would be pretty interesting. Yeah, and and there, I mean, there's a no doubter one, and and I know people are talking about it. If them putting for for the fans is putting Mo in there, yeah, that will that will happen. That will something like that. Yeah. Oh, the Orioles are going to do something with him too. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But I'm and I'm there's got. I feel like there's a player that's staring us right in the face. You said Matt Stover, right? Uh, he's in there. He's in. So if you look at the pro, if you look at all-time Ravens Pro Bowlers, Ray Lewis in, Ogden in, Reed in, Yonda going in, Suggs will go in, Nada in, Tucker will go in, Morgan Cox up to four. There you go. <laughs> Bowler in, C.J. Mosley four Pro Bowls will not go in. McAllister will not go in. 
Rod Woodson, three Pro Bowls with the Ravens, will not go in. No. Also, Ray, Rice, Ray Rice will not go in. There's like <laughs> an 88% chance. If, yeah. well, if, I'm just Morgan Cox, if Morgan Cox gets in, there's like an 88% chance this podcast is like on the field for that introduction. I, <laughs> or at least I don't want to put words in Morgan's mouth at all. But, <laughs> that would know. be cool. The Wolfpack at the same time when those guys are all done would be pretty awesome. That, it would be that cool would if they be... hung them up together, but like Tucker's a good – six years younger than cook so yeah that's yep. what i was thinking too uh, ideal. eric weddle will not go in vontae oh, leach will not oh go in god um marlon humphrey will eventually build a case to go in probably yeah I, no he's got the long-term contract he'll get yeah. in like about he'll Darius have... webb no no, no. leron mcclain has two pro bowls he will not go in adelius thomas oh, michael jackson elvis tuberville michael mccrary with two judon with two sam adams with two um, Orlando Jim Brown. Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, obviously. Funny part about Todd Heap, only two Pro Bowls, but obviously a beloved in longevity. And then obviously if this continues to go the way it will, Lamar Jackson will be in the Ravens ring of honor as well. J.K. Dobbins. Lamar Jackson, honestly, it. if he retired today, w- would probably get in being the MVP of the league, being the first MVP in team history. I could he see that. In. He would get in. If the only way he would, would, you know, his career would end suddenly would be something unfortunate. So... Like you'd probably get all those points too. Uh, your Ravens one-time Pro Bowlers, by the way. Yeah, just, like you. just yeah. to end this conversation real quick. Your Ravens one-time Pro Bowlers. Here they are. Um, do I have this right? Yes, I do. one-time Samar Roll, Lamar Jackson, Billy Cundiff, Matt Stover, oh, no. Marcus Peters, Ronnie Stanley, Jacoby Jones, Jamal Mac Lewis, Tula. Benny Thompson, Bart, Benny. Bart Scott, Ben Grubbs. Eric Benny. Turner, Calais Campbell. But I don't know how Calais Campbell made the Pro Bowl this year, by the way, but yeah, Damn, he's very well. He's awesome. very well. He's he's very well liked. Good for him. Yeah. Sam Cook, Vinny Testaverde, yeah. Brendan Ian Badejo as a special teamer, Mark Ingram, Brandon Williams, Justin Forsett in 2014. He's really good that year. Willis McGahee, Earl Thomas, Kyle Juszczyk, Shannon Sharp, Jeremy Zuta. And Mark Andrews, are you Jeremy, Jeremy Zuda? Made, God, God, that's so bad. Global. I think that oh, was. Oh, I remember that he was like it down. He was like one of the. He was like literally like the thirty-two alternate. out of thirty-two rated on PFF. He was like the seventh alternate or something mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it was something um, like really, really bad. Guy, dude, didn't the Earl Thomas thing feels like it was three years ago? Yeah. Uh, your Ravens one-time All Pros are Suggs, McAllister, Humphrey, McLean. Adelius Thomas, Jermaine Lewis, Elvis Dumerville. Did you say Lamar Juice Jackson. Check? Did he ever make one? No. He made not one. All pro team. One pro oh. bowl. Not an all pro team. One pro Jamal bowl. Lewis. Gotcha. Kobe gotcha. Jones, Ronnie Stanley. Um, so, yeah, Ravens Ring of Honor. There's going to be a, they're going to have the ability to probably put one a year in here at some point because there's a lot yeah. of guys kind of on the cusp of that thing. So, sure. Um, a fun and interesting conversation. The Ernest Bynum, I remember going into that stadium for the first time as a kid at Sting Ernest Bynum being like, who's that? <laughs> So yeah, we're being young enough. We're just like, well, yeah, that's just some, yeah, that's just some guy I would have never seen. Whatever. And then yeah. you get older and you're like, what's that? So good question. Yeah. I, I was, should have got looked up who sent that in. That was our buddy Grant who he Shout was also, he was one of the guys who donated all the pictures and stuff. Oh um, yes, 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 yes. He literally was taking stuff off his walls and was like, do you guys want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? So all the stuff he's given us has, have been really cool. We actually gave the, um, the big Camden Yards canvas away. Um, on Sunday to one of the winners who stopped by my house and picked it up. So 
he gave us that like awesome Ed Reed picture, the, the awesome Lamar Jackson painting. So yeah, Grant Grant's a, he's a real one. He's uh he's a he's like a true Baltimore historian. He also had me sign a basketball. Everyone that comes in his house, he's like a basketball that's in the middle of all these like Ray Lewis framed signed picture, Ed Reed signed picture, Mike Tyson signed picture. There's a basketball signed by all these people. I was like, who's that? He's like, it's everyone that's ever stepped foot in my house. You want to sign it? So kind of cool. That's very very cool. And then awesome. basketball. Thanks to him for uh for sending all that stuff in. Thanks to the Baltimore Ravens who sent us a few things as well mm-hmm. um, over the holiday period. So that was very cool of them. And obviously uh, for letting Justin and, and Morgan and now Cassie come on the pod. So shout out to the Ravens. Uh, make sure to continue to send your, your seats in, be there for be more. We're kind of throwing the drawings out every once in a while. Um, we, we got so many things. I think RDT's got like 40,000 things in his house right now. We're trying to give away. So <laughs> Um, send in your tips. And obviously with the way the, the, the stuff is going, these restaurants are, are still struggling. So, uh, we've loved everyone that sent them in. Um, so keep sending them, keep sending them. Um, make sure to follow us, the pod at exit 52 podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the boys barstool banks for Mr. Banks. You can follow Mr. R D T at E D I T T I 22 on Twitter. You can follow me at Taylor Smythe 10. Once again, thanks to Jimmy Seafood. Thanks to everyone that is sending their stuff in for the Be There for Be More. We hope all the listeners had an awesome holiday. Everyone have a happy new year, and we will see you for the instant analysis after the ravens Bengals game on Sunday as we look forward to hopefully a playoff appearance. Predictions? Predictions? I forgot about predictions. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We did it with Cassie on the interview. Throw quick. You Throw just them around. Shoot Throw. Shot. Shoot him. Shoot him. Go. RDT. Um, uh, 30 to 13. Oh, fuck. 30, 31 to 7. 37 to 10. Ravens oh, win. That's the XF52 podcast <laughs> presented by Jimmy Seafood.